0: Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast with Jeff Baker and Drew Pelto. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to CSGCards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by SportsCollectorsDaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on SportsCollectorsDaily.com. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. hello everybody and welcome
1: welcome welcome to TTM cast your sports collectibles podcast where we talk TTM cars autographs collecting and a whole lot more that's usually whatever Drew wants to talk about usually food <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's season four episode 33 it's August 21st summer's almost over and you know what guys? The boys are back together. The boys are back in town. Welcome back. Welcome back. If I could sing, I would sing welcome back from Welcome Back Carter. <laughs> but I'm talking about, of course, my friend and co-host, Drew Pelto from Dallas, Texas. My name is Jeff Baker. I'm your host of this Fine Fine program. And you're listening to nationally ranked sports card podcast. That's right. That's us, TTM Cast. Tell your friends. Let them know what we're doing. We've got so many people listening, Drew. So many people listen to your all your downloads and your videos from your show. Well, Drew, officially
2: welcome back. Thanks. Good to be back once again. Great to be back home and finally sleeping in something other than hotel, a different hotel bed every single night there for a few weeks. Well, you
1: know what, we missed you. You know, I loved having Troy on. I obviously I love talking with Les, but you know, it's nothing. Like slipping into a pair of comfortable shoes, you and I get back together. We get to talk about all the stuff we love—collecting and baseball cards, and food, and bad television shows, and <laughs> anything else
2: we can either come up with, right? Yep, yep, definitely.
1: Well, uh, why don't you let people know about your trip? Talk about your trip a little. Let people know uh, all uh, you buying five hundred autographs. is five hundred autographs. I'd be, I'd be uh, on top of the on top of the mountain with a megaphone saying, Hey guys, I got
2: 500 autographs this week. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was pretty crazy. I mean, from start to finish between uh, me and Aaron and Aubrey, we got close to 1200 autographs total between uh, mostly cards, but also there you were know, some photos in there as well. Aubrey got a ball. She, uh, we caught a foul ball at uh, one of the minor league games. And so I gave it to her and she got signed by the guy who hit it. So that was kind of cool there, but yeah, I ended up with 550. Aaron ended up with 551. So he beat me by one. And uh, Aubrey, I think, got herself somewhere around 60 or so as well. And she was only there for like the fat last, uh, what, four and three out of the last four games of our trip there. So great showing right there for her first time out and all that. But uh, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, 18 games in three and a half weeks, plus the National, plus a day at Cedar Point, a day at the Baseball Hall of Fame, a day where we literally just stayed in the hotel and tried to recover a bit because I was on the final week there. But yeah, overall, I mean, close to 6,000 miles driven across all of this. and. I still came in under budget, so I was able to go and buy some stuff on eBay that I couldn't find at the show or that I've wanted to get for a while. So, yeah, it's been going pretty well there, even in the aftermath.
1: Yeah, and and you got to sample all the great food at all these parks. I still say the pretzel looked like the best thing to me. I thought that pretzel was awesome.
2: Yeah, that thing's about the size of a base, essentially. I mean, they serve it to you on a full-size cafeteria tray, and it takes up pretty much all of it there little cup of cheese for dipping. I got some mustard on the side there as well. They used to do one at the Rangers ballpark several years ago. And the Rangers one, I would say slightly better, but not by much. I mean, it's hard to screw up a pretzel. You really can't go wrong with a pretzel anywhere. So that was really great. The uh, Polish food in uh, at Scranton Wilkes Bears Park was very good as well. Uh, that whole extreme menu in Akron is always, uh, always great. They're always taking stuff, uh, adding new stuff in, taking stuff out each year on there. So it's never the same thing twice. And uh, who's the other one I was thinking of? It was uh, Durham and their uh, Carolina Q dog was, uh, those were probably the big four food items and food ballparks there.
1: Well, you know what, after, every time after we do this show, I always get hungry because all we do is talk about <laughs> oh, good good junk food. You know what, you know, I was thinking about this because you had done this a couple of years ago, right? What, two or yeah. three years ago, you you did this trip? Not, well, as, not as long, but the biggest difference for, from uh, what I can tell from, from, and correct me if I'm wrong, Two or three years ago to today, today you have all those screens and netting, and it, it, it makes it more difficult to get autographs. Would you
2: agree with me on that? Absolutely. I mean, after the first three days of that trip, I'm thinking, I'm going to be lucky to hit 300 autographs across this whole thing. This is just ridiculous with the netting there. And I understand the need for safety, but there's also a need for personal accountability and personal responsibility. And baseball survived over 100 years with fans watching out for themselves if they're sitting in the lower deck. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it really interferes with things. They don't leave enough openings to be able to get autographs from. I know like with Indianapolis, you had one opening right next to the dugout that was maybe about four feet wide or so. And you're getting, you know, 20, 30 people crowding around that opening. If you're not right in the front, you're not getting anybody. And it didn't seem like the ushers really understood either that half the people that are down there don't know Dick about getting autographs. So they're down there. They don't know who the player is. It's coming over. You get a bunch of kids that are standing right in front just, expecting the player to walk right over to them or something and not calling out to them. Whereas collectors who have been around for a little bit, know, Hey, we need to call out to the player, say, Hey, can you come over and sign this? Can you come over and do this? And once you get those guys moved to the back of the line, it's like, well, great. Nobody's getting anybody now way to go guys. So that really screws everything up. They only give you the one opening and it sucks because at several spots, they have multiple places where they could have openings. And if you look at, uh, God, where was it? Uh, Arkansas, for example, with the uh, Arkansas travelers, they had an entire panel that they could, lift up before the game and after the game so it's like a good 30 feet wide or so it seemed like you can lift that up players could come over you can easily call out to them there were spots open that were very easy to work around and uh, a lot of ballparks don't really seem to understand that I understand you, you know you want them you want the netting up fine but give us an opportunity to be able to actually still interact with the players and a lot of ballparks just don't seem to be understanding that concept or they are willfully uh, screwing with us either one do you think
1: the players' attitudes have changed at all in, uh, in the last couple of years? I mean, with, you know, when you were doing it a couple of years ago, even then, you know, autographs were, weren't as much of a commodity, I don't think. And I don't think they understood, you know, eBay wasn't as prevalent as, as it is now. And I think these guys are, are, are taught at a young age that, oh, my autograph's a commodity, it's worth something. So maybe I'm not going to sign as many.
2: It has changed a lot and in kind of phases and everything. I mean, if you go over into like the mid to late 2000s, a lot of players stopped signing as much. I mean, I hear like uh, talking to some of the old timers in Boston, the guys who've been graphing since the seventies and eighties. There's one guy that I know who had uh, got 18 Steve Iserman rookie cards signed by Iserman, like the year, that the year that card came out. So I think it was like his second year in the league there. Signed 18 cards for him. All of his rookie cards there at one point. And even after he asked me, like, oh, crap, I forgot I was going to get you an index card, too. He's like, yeah, no problem. Signs this index card beautifully for him. Now you're getting players. And yeah, the agents, I think, really get in their ears because the more players player signs for free, the agents don't get a cut out of, out of that. The players themselves don't get a cut out of it. They don't make any money off, excuse me, off of it. So I think you're seeing a lot of players who are realizing that, yeah, this is worth money. It's it takes up time. It's worth money. So they're not going to do it as much. And you're seeing it, like you said, a lot more at the younger levels now, too. If you go back to uh, the trip that I did four years ago there, I don't think you saw it as much at the younger levels there, but you did definitely see a lot of players who uh, they they definitely know eBay. I mean, you had eBay autograph jokes being made on the show Futurama back in the early 2000s, late 90s even. So it's been around for quite a while now. It's been known about for quite a while, but you're really seeing the agents, I think, more than anything, getting the players' ears, and especially as they're younger too. You're seeing guys like, I mean, hell, like, I've, I have friends who got Bobby Witt's autograph when he was still a junior in high school. Cause they knew that he was going to be that good. And so, you know, he's been hounded for years. You've got other guys, I'm sure like Jordan Lawler has probably been hounded for years. Anybody who's drafted out of high school is probably getting hounded when they're a junior or senior, anybody who's in college has been getting it for at least four years of college plus however many years of high school. So yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the younger players now are realizing that there's uh There's money to their autograph, whether it's and they can choose whether it's going to go into their pocket or somebody else's. And so trying to cut it from going into somebody else's not signing quite as much now.
1: Right. And I don't think there was many um, of these young guys getting having cards, right? You know, with the the Bowman first cards and draft baseball draft picks and all this other stuff. I think a lot of these young guys, you know, they had to wait until they were up to the majors to get their first card or, you know, they'd be on a minor league team set, but they weren't there weren't hundreds of thousands of their cards out there and i think um you know collectors like you and i We now we go you go to a game and, and you know you have t- you have 10 minor league cards that, that 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 you were never had five years ago
2: yeah i mean just look at like perfect game set from leaf for example they put out every year from the uh perfect game tournament those are you know 17 18 year old kids getting on cards and i know people that have been working on those sets too it's like geez i mean i don't personally i don't have the time or interest to put in on uh, on those sets at all but yeah they're out there and they're trying to get players to sign them we did it i did it drew i finally found a line that you can't cross <laughs> yeah but i i i don't know i just don't feel right asking someone under 18 for an autograph it just feels a little bit weird to me so
1: yeah no i know you know you and i have talked about this a couple of times and it it's still kind of weird for me to ask you know ask a 19 year old kid or a 20 year old kid for an autograph i'm 57 and it's just kind of weird to to be an old, old guy asking for an autograph at, at a park. And that's kind of one of the reasons I do the TTM and cause it's, uh, it's a little more non- anonymous, but uh, right. it's still cool. And I love getting pictures. And I saw you got a, a bunch of pictures with some of these guys, which is, which, which is neat. And uh, you know, do you think you're going to do the trip uh, now in a couple of years? I know next year we're going to Chicago. And then after that, I think it's Cleveland. I, I, I don't think it's been said yet, but I think, uh, in two years it's going to be cleveland then back to chicago so um do you see doing this this trip in the, in, in a couple of years
2: possibly Aaron and i are talking about going for the trilogy in 2026 but we'll see about that at this point i mean chicago if i go up to that show i'm definitely going to fly in for it cleveland i probably would fly in as well not do the whole uh, trip and everything just make it a quick hit and run mission to the national basically but We'll see. I mean, because uh, I know Aaron and I have talked about wanting to try to do one of the Chicago shows, so maybe 2025 or something like that. We'll do a full road trip for that one. Um, my friend Lee, who was at the first game that we went to, says that he really wants to try to do a Chicago show there. So maybe we'll do the three of us or something for a show. That would uh, that would that would be kind of cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could also you could go west. Right. But the west, the there's so much um, space in between stadiums, I think. Right. It's not like we come up to the northeast and you can hit a game and go to the next next day to another game and even even in uh the carolinas and virginia they're all pretty close i think if you start talking west where you know you, you like salt lake city and then you got to go to like tacoma or, you know what i mean it's, <laughs> yeah you've got to mean
2: like the northwest league up there which is high a but that only has like i think six teams in it so you'd be able to knock that out in you know under a week or so and then you got the california league that's low a so you're not seeing as many guys with cards down there because you don't start seeing the cards until you see guys that are into like a high A on the triple A. Low A right. just doesn't really seem to get hit that much. So, yeah, West is a possibility, but it's going to be uh, probably not so much. And we have talked, Aaron and I have talked about doing just a, a quick uh, like weekend hit of the four kind of West Texas into New Mexico teams, because there's always exactly four hours of driving time in between from uh, Amarillo out to Albuquerque four hours in from Albuquerque down to El Paso and another four hours from El Paso over to Midland. So that's, you know, well, four teams square right there that you can hit up in a weekend.
1: Yeah, that's not bad. And you get, you get, and hopefully you can get eight different teams, you know, that, which would be, which would be good. Well, I, I, I'm jealous. I'm glad you had a, a good time. I'm uh, Welcome back. I I, I missed that, doing the podcast with you and, and uh, you know, it's great to have you back. Why don't you let people know about our radio show? Of
2: course, you can tune in on Saturday and Sunday mornings on the Sports Map Radio Network. We are called Sports Collectors Club. You can find out about it at sportscollectorsclub.com. Find our past episodes on there as well. And if you don't have a Sports Map Radio station in your area, just go on your App Store and find the Sports Map Radio app. Listen in. I believe it's going to be 10 a.m. Eastern on Saturdays and 7 a.m. Eastern on Sundays
1: very good check it out check out the website guys it's sportscollectorsclub.com. you can go listen to all our old shows they're they're right there in the uh, show library it's not uh all the same content that you get here at on the podcast there's some different content as well so make sure you check it out but don't tell anyone but we save all the good content for the podcast right Drew?
2: of course <laughs> we can we can
1: riff on a lot more things here we can uh, the 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 straight jacket is off well i had a pretty good week collecting wise i um purchased uh three prestige 2022 prestige blaster boxes uh on target target.com they'll be coming any day now and then also um i've got all sorts of programs in, in uh, magazines Are you a magazine
2: guy or a program guy not a whole lot i've got a few like anytime when when i go to a minor league game if they would hand out a free program or something like that usually i try to get the player on the cover to sign it but that's that's about as far as i've gotten
1: yeah, I have some autograph stuff, but I also have a lot of stuff from the 60s and 70s. Uh, so I, I purchased these uh, magazine bags and boards on uh, Amazon. I, it, was, it wasn't a lot of money, maybe like $30 to get 100 bags and 100 boards. So I'm going to uh, board up some of my magazines and uh, nice. give me another, another project to do. Um, and then we're, we've you know, got all sorts of stuff that we're, we're, we're planning uh, for the next couple of weeks we have the end of summer. Can you believe it's the end of
2: summer already? We got like two more weeks of summer and then we're done. Well, that might be the case for you up there here in Texas. Our summer goes all the way into like early October. So we're, we're still, I mean, fortunately this week, we're looking at the only temperatures in the nineties, which is amazing. But uh, yeah, we after, had, hit we've had, it
1: it was in the sixties uh, all week. And then it it got back into the eighties uh, yesterday and today, and it's going to warm up a little, but I think we're going to be all cloudy and rainy and, you know, it's New England. You've been here. It's New oh, New, yeah. New England weather and uh, su- summer is just about done. But really, when I just remember being a kid, you know, Labor Day, Tuesday after Labor Day, school starts and summer's over and it's wah, wah, wah. So yep. <laughs> the fall is coming. Fall is beautiful here in New England. I know, I know you are you're here in New England, but uh, we are we you know, we got a great show for you guys this week. I had the pleasure. We I I, uh, I met up with Jeff Owens, who's the editor of Sports Collectors Digest at the National, and he seemed to be following us around Drew, everywhere. Everywhere I looked, right, Drew, Drew, uh, Jeff Jeff and Greg were, were were floating around. We saw him on Wednesday night at the VIP thing. We saw him at the autograph pavilion. We saw him when we were doing our recording our show at uh CSG booth. They he, they they hit the National hard. So uh, I I'm gonna. Uh, had a nice interview with jeff just talking about the national talk talking about the hobby talking about uh things that are going on and, and jeff has uh, his finger on the pulse he's the editor of sports collector's digest so we're gonna have an interview with him coming up next and then next week we have the pleasure of uh interviewing mike giuseppe mike is the host of uh sports card nonsense which is on the ringer podcast network he's one of uh he's he's one of the, the 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 players so to speak in in our on our field and he's been doing it for a couple of years now We're going to talk to mike about about the hobby and, and about uh doing his pot his podcast on, on the national and uh, i'm jealous because i'm a big bill simmons fan and we're going to talk to mike about next week so mike giuseppe from the uh, sports god nonsense will be with us next week this week we have jeff owens from
2: sports collectors digest we have all regular segments right drew we do indeed. Baker's Dozen, where we're going to cover all the hobby news from the past week or so. We've got uh, Clementi Lisi coming back with us with Corner Kicks, talking about some soccer collecting. We've got Making the Grade, where we'll cover all the news from the grading portion of the hobby. Stamp of Approval, Jeff and I give our two thumbs up on something from the past week. Could be just about anything. You never know. It's a mixed bag right there as to what it's going to be. The Vern Rap Minute covering deaths in the world of sports, celebrity, music, politics, anything there from the past week. And of course, the main reason why we're here and why you're here, our TTM returns.
1: Yeah, and I had a good week, and I've been I've been really like a, a busy beaver the last like three or four weeks, sending out TTMs uh, requests. So got a lot of returns this week, and I know you got a bunch coming back from vacation, guys. We love to hear from you. We've been getting a lot of questions and a lot of feedback on our uh, text line and our um, email line. It's not email line, email box. What is an email yeah. box? What, Inbox, what's it called? I guess, or- yeah.
2: Email inbox, I guess. Email
1: inbox. We're getting a lot of response. Um, So please text us at 978-729-0662. We take questions there. Or you can email us at... TTMcast at yahoo.com. He's the best at that. The best. (laughs) Mr. Mr. Smooth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that wraps up all our introductions. We're going to go right into Baker's Dozen.
0: Baker's Dozen, sponsored by SportsCollectorsDaily.com.
1: well bakers dozen is a new summary of what's been going on the hobby a lot of stuff going on just a couple of things first i want to remind everyone to check out my weekly article on sports collectors daily that's SportsCollectorsDaily.com on ttming and autograph tips uh drew always gives me some some feedback and input on that so thank you drew it's on SportsCollectorsDaily.com. usually posts either monday morning or tuesday morning so make sure you check check that out. Excuse me. And then we had a contest. Well, Drew, Drew you were, you were away for this one, but we had a, a contest. We're giving away some of our um, TTM cast baseball cards that are signed that you, me and Les all signed. And uh, I want to thank we, we had a great response to this contest. Uh, we have such great listeners. I really appreciate our, our normal listeners and anyone that wants my autograph. Uh, you know, you need your head examined, but I'm only only half <laughs> kidding. We really love love that uh, that you are interested in, in getting Drew and I and Sal's autograph. Uh, so uh, so Les's autograph. I got Sal Barry on the brain. <laughs> Les autograph. These are on. You can say Sal uh, will also sign his
2: business card as well. So uh, that's right. Well, Drew Drew designed
1: these cards. They're kind of cool. So we're gonna here's the the winners. So this this week uh, we have Christopher Belich from Flushing, New York. Mark vincella who is from dalton mass mark thank you mark mark enters every one of our contests and i find he finally got became a winner so thank you mark I'm, I'm glad we can get a prize to you brian murray brian thank you for your questions and you we, we uh you're a winner this week. And from wilton connecticut scott summers from toledo ohio a, a loyal listener our friend sam kelsler from uh come from sam kessler sorry from uh silver string maryland sam's a great listener i've actually met sam and uh he's a a great collector a great listener and jake flynn from los angeles california so drew pretty good we got guys from all over the country huh
2: yeah that's definitely great and a few names i recognize from places like on youtube or on various facebook groups so cool to see them getting involved and great to see them listening
1: well, guys, I, I, I mailed them all out uh the I think yesterday. So you should get them in the next couple of days. And, and thanks for entering. And uh maybe in a couple of weeks we'll give some more away because I do have a few more to give away. We we kept Drew busy signing autographs, so we, we, we've got a few more to give it away. But um I you know I want to thank everyone for for entering. And if you didn't win, I'm sorry, but we'll we'll have another contest in a couple of weeks. I'm sure we can get it, we can get we can get an
2: autograph card in your hands as well. I will say too, on those cards, if you trim them right, if you have like one of the uh one of those guillotine trimmers, you know, that's good for cutting paper. You trim it right along that black line; it comes out exactly the size of a regular card and fits perfectly into a sleeve. Yeah, it fits. It fits good to a top loader too. Yeah. There you go. Uh, big news here from the Card Life—they have a new episode out. Uh, of course, I mean Jeff and I are big fans of the show. There, CardLifeTV.com is their website. They're doing this show from Tampa, Florida, highlighting signatures for soldiers who does a lot of great work in the autograph community. They. uh, raise money for uh, disabled veterans. And I think they've hit the six figures now in uh, money they have raised for uh, various veterans charities. So make sure to check out that episode of the Card life and check out signatures for Sh- signatures for soldiers as well. I almost said signatures for shoulders. And I'm like,
1: nah, I <laughs> well, that's, don't cause, on that's mind, why because you're reading my spelling. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I spoke with Tim yesterday and we're going to have Tim on the show next month. So we're gonna nice. have we'll have Tim from Signatures to Soldiers on next month to kind of catch up with Tim. But uh, make sure you check out the Card Life with Matt Strom, who got, came back from the uh, disabled list yesterday, I believe, from the Red Sox, and uh, he, he uh, actually interviewed me. If you want to check out there, uh, was it the No, July, right? It was the July episode. I'm on the so. July episode, uh, uh, the Boston show. You can check out my parent my my lone TV appearance for the year. Well, our friends from Collects.app, App they have a, a new. Uh, uh, thing coming out it's called uh collects deals and it's gonna be launching in september you'll be able to buy and sell cards quickly on their app for, for, you know you can scan the cards right into the collect.app and you to buy sell and trade cards right on right from their app it's really cool if you haven't downloaded collects.app go to do it it's free Collects.app, it's a great app. You, you just scan, you scan the front of your card, the back of your card, puts it into your inventory. Then you can find out the recent uh, comp sales on, on eBay and some other uh, sites. And it's a really cool app. So check it out, Collects.app and uh, watch for it. Collects Deals will be launching in September. I'm sure we'll have Ted Mann on from Collects to talk about it when it when it's launched. But I just want to give you guys a heads up and please download Collects.app. It is a great app
2: got some international collecting news coming out now as well Topps has decided to venture into the nbl which is the national basketball league you'll find in australia and new zealand they've had some prospects come out of that league here recently you get some guys who decide they don't want to go to college they'll play a year pro, year or two of pro ball down there but they're gonna be covering the nbl and i'm looking forward to that because i mean i collect of course you know, the australian football league so i'm hoping that Hey, maybe that's going to get Tops and uh, the entire Western uh, collecting world a foothold down there and possibly uh, maybe we'll see some AFL cards I can get a little bit more easily up here. But at the very least, the NBL, they are uh, tapping into that market now with Tops.
1: Drew, remember on uh, Charlie Brown Christmas when Snoopy's like dancing around and he's all happy? Yep, yep. That was you when you heard this news.
2: Pretty much. Yes. <laughs> I'm hoping that I'm, and honestly too, I'm hoping they do like maybe some legends cards of NBL legends. Cause there's a guy named Derek Rucker who went to my high school. I'm uh, he was, I mean, he was, I think he played my high school back in the eighties or so, but he had a younger brother who was one of my classmates. So it's like, I'd love to be able to find a card or two of him if possible.
1: This, 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 this set was made for you. This yeah. 10, I know there's 10 teams in the league. They're going to do also all the teams. They're going to have uh, autographs. They're going to have inserts. Um, hopefully, I bet it will be available in the
2: States, don't you think? I would think so. I mean, there's got to be some way for it to be sold over here. And I mean, like I said, you know, a lot of those guys, there's usually a couple of big uh, draft prospects that come out of there. So there's definitely going to be a market for it here in the U.S.
1: Yeah, and that's starting uh, this year. So that that's pretty cool. And- One other thing that's coming that's not on our sheet, but uh, I just want to remind everyone: coming uh, the end of next month, I believe, is the uh, starting lineups. I'm very excited about starting lineups. They're going to have the starting lineups, the plastic uh, figurines. uh, They're going to be basketball, I believe, to start, and they're going to have cards. And I think Panini is is doing the cards, which is really cool. I'm really looking forward to that.
2: We'll
3: get some. uh, Good. I
2: I was going to say, yeah, it's definitely going to be fun. That's, I mean. I'll be keeping an eye out there for any of the Cleveland teams there if they make those. I'm sure. Well, we get some auction news to let you guys
1: know about the uh, 2022. We're going to get this right, right? Drew 2022, not 2002, 2022 Field of Dreams Jersey auction. It's for the MLB charities. It is uh, there. 50 uniforms are up for auction. The auction runs up uh, through Sunday, the end of the end of uh, Sunday, which is August 21st. You can uh, bid on Uh, Cubs team jersey, which was going for about $7,500 right now. The Reds team jersey, which is going for a little more than $2,000. They have all the individual uh, players' jerseys as well. And all the money is going for charity. Go to MLB.com. And you can, I think it's under the charities, but you can check it out. It's a 2022 2022 Field of Dreams jersey auction.
2: Memory Lane auction just kicked off a big one that's going to be running, uh, started on August 17th, just a few days ago, running all the way through September 10th. Big items in there include a Babe Ruth signed baseball, a 1958 Tops Jim Brown rookie card graded at a PSA 8, a Pete Rose rookie card, 1963 Tops, PSA 9 grade on that. We've got a 1961-62 Fleer basketball box that has two Wilt Chamberlain cards showing, both his rookie card and the in-action card from that set. And this is the one that I'm excited to, I just want to see pictures of it. I'll have to go on their site and check it out. But a 1952 Tops, Partial set autographed. 356 of the cards are signed in that 1952 top set, including Mickey Mantle, Jackie Robinson, and Willie Mays. So, three of the probably the three biggest names out of that set, right there, autographed in there among it. com is the website. Go and check that out. And hey, if you've got the extra money, put in a few bids on those. Yeah, I'm looking forward
1: to seeing what that box goes for, the Flair Base Basketball box, and that autograph, the Topps autograph cards, the 52 autograph cards. That's going to go for big bucks. Well, you know, this, this has kind of been the talk of the hobby since the National. The uh, 9.5 SGC Mickey Mantle, there's about 10, uh, about a week left to to bid on it. And I know Drew's thinking of, like, eBay, he's going sw- to swipe in and... Uh, <laughs> And when we're talking about the 1952 Mickey Mantle 9.5 SGC, it was nearing about $10 million. And uh, we had Derek Grady from Heritage Heritage on last week. And I recommend you go listen to my interview with Derek because he talks all about uh, the card and and the history of the card and and, uh, dealing with the card and handling the card. And it was really very interesting. It was originally purchased for $50,000 in 1991. And interesting enough, uh, just talking with Derek, the the initial all you had to do was get an initial bid in, and then you could add you could have more bids. And this is going to really ramp up, I think. You know, closer to the twenty seventh, and I bet I, I bet that this thing is going to uh, get close to twenty million dollars. I'm get I'm betting I, I think it's going to be around around twenty million dollars. It's you'll hear it everywhere, and we'll, we'll report it back here. But uh, Heritage Auctions, it's h uh, a dot com is their website, and go check it out. You just this. Just to see what it is it's all about. I know you. no one has $10 million lying around to bid on a, uh, a baseball card, but it's still fun to follow.
2: I could sell everything I have, including any spare organs, bodily fluids, whatever. And I still don't think I'd, I'd be able to get to that $10 million at all.
1: I know. You know what the sad part is, is that even at $15 million or $20 million or whatever this thing goes for, it's going to be an, a great investment. Because yeah. if you try to sell it in five years, it's going
2: to be $25 or $30 million. Yeah, I mean, this is a truly one-of-a-kind at that kind of a grade. I've got some other uh, big uh, grading and auction news out there. A PWCC auction for a 1954 Topps Hank Aaron rookie card graded at a PSA 9 broke its previous record. It hit uh, 645000 a while back, now hit 720000 is the final sale price there. So not the biggest jump in the world, but still definitely a, a noteworthy jump right there. I mean, added on 10% to its previous uh, value there. So cool to see that one that uh, Hank Aaron making a uh, big news there with his rookie card yeah that's a beautiful card it really yes. is well we got some show news to
1: let you know about uh coming up in a couple of weeks I'm going to head up to out up to uh New Hampshire to Delta Dental Stadium for the Granite State baseball dinner uh Wade Boggs is going to be there Orlando Cabrera is going to be there uh the guy from Field of Dreams that played um the father he is going to be there so I'm Uh, a couple other people are going to be there uh it's a great look it's a great event i've been uh, i went last year it is um the tickets i think range from 50 to 80 dollars you can go to milb it's major minor league baseball.com uh it's the uh, new hampshire fisher cats check just click on New Hampshire Fisher Cats and get information. Uh, again, it's the Granite State Baseball dinner September 10th. I will I'll definitely be there. If you're coming, if you're gonna be there, let me know. send me a quick email. And uh, hopefully we'll, 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 we're going shoot and get some interviews at the show if we, if, we, uh, we, if we can get we ho- cross our fingers. so' that, looking forward to attending that.
2: For any of our southern collectors out there we've got a show coming up in Tennessee, the Music City Show on September 9th through the 11th in Franklin, Tennessee. Musiccitycollectiblesshow.com is the website for that. They're going to have Allen Iverson, Ozzie Smith, Pete Rose, Lawrence Taylor, Jim Kelly will both be there, and Tom Glavin and John Smoltz. So a uh, nice lineup right there, a bunch of Hall of Famers in that. Once again, that is musiccitycollectiblesshow.com, Franklin, Tennessee, September 9th through the 11th.
1: This is a bit. This is a big one. They always do it every year. Uh, the Philly Card Show. It's PhillyShow.com. It's September 23rd to the 25th. Ricky Henderson's going to be there. Newly effect, elected uh, Hall of Famer Jim Cott, Jim Rice, Hall of Famer Dale Murphy, Dwight Gooden, Jack Hamm, John Cruck, to name a few. And the best part of it is that you don't have to go to Atlantic City. You just can go, you can go right to Philadelphia <laughs> to go to the show. It's the Philly Card Show, September 23rd to the 25th. PhillyShow.com.
2: Just as a side there, since you mentioned Atlantic City, I saw this great uh, Facebook meme. It had a picture taken from someplace. I don't know where it was from. It has a picture of a New Jersey driver's license, and it says, all visitors from New Jersey must explain why.
0: <laughs>
2: and I'm like, yes, I've never felt anything more in my entire life than that. Just just the Wawa Food Mart. We like the Wawa Food Mart. Yes, I, w- I will allow that one. That's like, all right, that's, that's a solid one. Uh, Dallas Card Show coming up. We've got two of them here in this area. Allen, Texas, on September 8th through the 11th and one right in my backyard in Arlington, September 30th through October 2nd. I uh, don't have any info yet on autograph guests, but I'm sure that's going to be uh, added in pretty soon. Check out their website, dallascardshow.com, for all of the information there. Find out about admission costs, autograph guests, all that kind of stuff. They do a good job of covering all that. They do. You plan on going to either one of these shows? I might try to hit the Arlington one. I'm, probably, I'm really not in the mood to drive all the way out to Allen. I mean, that's about an hour each way for me, so... Probably not going to do that one, but Arlington, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't really have an excuse not to. It's right here.
1: Yeah, we have the big Wilmington show coming up um, in November, first weekend in November. Uh, really looking forward to that. We'll report a little more uh, when we get closer to that. But this, uh, I, it's nice to see. You know, the Nationals over, but this, it's nice to see that there's a lot of, of uh, shows to attend. Um, I know in my local area, we have there's a, a couple monthly shows that go on all the time and then uh the, even out in springfield area, this, i saw this show there's a big show in quincy coming up for the they're doing for the first time so I, I don't know about you but it seems to be just about every weekend there seems to be a type of some type of show if you want to go to one
2: yeah i definitely like that and i mean the great thing too is i mean there are shows of all different sizes so you've got like rich klein runs a fairly kind of a smaller show up in plano texas there every few weeks and even though it's smaller it still draws a decent crowd there and everything so then you have the bigger ones like you know the Arlington one's going to take up the Arlington Convention Center here so yeah i mean different sizes and there's a little bit of something for everybody there just about
1: yeah the the thing about the small shows and i don't know if you feel the same way you know it's usually the same deal so when if you go to the show once or twice you you already you've kind of seen what everyone has and um yeah, you know a lot of the, the stuff has been picked through so to speak you know it's not like when you go to you you, you know go to a bigger show and, and you get there early you can kind of have a a better shot at it but uh it, it's kind of cool I, I do love going to shows well there's some new releases to let you know about uh the 2022 panini mosaic draft picks collegiate football are out there's 12 cards per pack two packs per box you get two autographs and those are going for about five hundred dollars that's the 2022 panini mosaic draft pick collegiate football that's a mouthful
2: it is yeah <laughs> now out, now out for about five hundred dollars this is a little bit shorter. Tops 2022 Diamond Icons baseball set obviously as you can probably guess from the diamond name there but it's a higher end product. You're talking $3,000 for a box of this one but each box is going to have 10 cards and out of those you're going to see seven autographs, two autograph relics and one just regular relic. So you're getting a lot of good stuff it seems like there for that $3,000 price tag and I'm sure there's going to be some big names on it.
1: Yeah, you know what I if I don't do breaks usually but I would get involved in a break of these cuz these the cards that are in the, this these boxes are really, really nice. They're I, out of all the high end ones. I think you get, you, you, might get your money's worth. Cause you know, seven autographs, two auto relics and one relic. They're all good cards. You know what I mean? And there's, there's usually a couple of hall of famers in there. I, it, it, you know, $3,000 is $3,000. And my, my wife would, chop my fingers off if i told her i was going to spend three thousand dollars on a box but yep. if i if i had it lying around i would buy that well uh 2021-22 panini obsidian basketball uh, just came out you get one one uh, pack of seven cards in the pack you get two autos two inserts of parallels and that's going for between 300 and 350 bucks that's 2021-22 panini obsidian basketball for 300 to 350 dollars
2: Coming out next week, we've got a football offering from Panini. Panini Select is going to be hitting the shelves. You get 12 cards per pack, five packs per box. In there, you're going to see two autographs and one memorabilia card. Hold on to your hats. $1,400 price tag on a box of this one. So the, uh, A lot of that Select and Prism kind of stuff and Optic has been uh, definitely shooting up in price there, but I guess high demand is going to bring that out. You know what, Drew? They're good-looking they're,
1: they're good cards. You know what I mean? They are good-looking cards um there it's impossible to get sets of any of these prism select there's so many different variations right yep. but people love them and you know i think breakers are driving this one don't you think i mean brad i
2: think breakers are driving the price on this i think so i mean there's and i mean with the way brakes have gone there's so many different ways of handling brakes too that nobody seems to do it the same way so there's a, that just you know increase demand further because you might find a certain type of break that you like, you might find uh, multiple different types of breaks that you like. And so the more demand there is out there, the more it's going to shoot the price up. And there you go. You're seeing it right there. Yeah. Well, that
1: wraps up Baker's dozen for the week. And you know what, we're going to, we have a, a cool listener question. We love getting listener questions. Uh, please send us an email. If you have a question for drew myself or less, just send an email and, you know, we'll, we'll try to answer your question by email, or maybe we'll put it on the, the show uh, Drew, why don't you give people the, the email address once again?
2: Of course, that is ttmcast at yahoo.com.
1: We got this question from our friend Sal, and he's in Chicago, and he's a hockey guy. And he asked, uh, have you ever gotten a Topps gold card, la- a gold label card autographed? And he said, did the player use a regular silver Sharpie or a different marker? And did do you have anything that, uh, on the card to make it the autograph stick? So I'm going to give this to Drew because Drew is the guy for hockey. He is the guy for autographs and uh, I'm sure he he's got a great answer for this one.
2: Thinking back, I do believe I have gotten a tops gold label card signed at some point. It seems to me that there's, there might be a uh, like Yoken Hecht, who was a uh, played with the blues and the sabers for quite a while, but I seem to remember getting a card from that gold label set signed by him. And um, I just used a regular, I wouldn't just use a regular blue Sharpie at the time because that's all I was using at the time. I, I have some other recommendations I'll mention here in a bit, but I probably would have just use a regular blue Sharpie on it. Um, and as for uh, making the card, making the autograph stick, you have to do that what you do with any other card that's printed on OptiChrome paper. So anything from like uh, Topps Chrome, from Panini Prism, Optic, um, so many things like that. Anything that's, you know, printed on that kind of metallic, super glossy paper make sure that you prep it very well. Use uh, like a little bit of baby powder really helps out on there. Just you know, a little sprinkle on there, rub it in real well. Um, using a white polymer eraser can help too. Just you know, run it over the uh, entire surface of the card a little bit. That really helps too. And if, as long as you do at least one of those two things, maybe both of them on something super high gloss like that, you should have no problem. I would also highly recommend if you can find one to use a Statler Lumo color pen. Jeff, you can see it right there. Unfortunately, our viewers yep. can, or our listeners can't see that there, but uh, they are big in Europe, and uh, they make them in many different sizes. I actually bought some uh, bullet tip ones for my uh, for my trip uh, this past uh, the past month here, but uh, those work really well. The uh, bullet tip ones have a similar tip to a sharpie. It's a little bit more rounded, but it does still come to a point there. So it might come out a little bit thicker than the sharpie. They also do a, uh, I believe, it's a one millimeter medium tip. And this, uh, I think it's like 0.5 or 0.7 millimeter fine tip. I mean, you can see it right there, Jeff. Yeah. Super thin there. And uh, I haven't used, I've used the fine tip ones and they're great if you have a player who has a kind of small compact signature and is willing to take their time on it. They are great for that. I mean, Michael Kadir gave me one of the best autographs I've ever seen in my life using one of these things. Um, If you can find the medium tip, those are better. They're just a little bit wider. I think you'll get a cleaner signature that way. And I've seen a lot more people using those recently. And like I said, I got that bullet tip one, which works well. If a player goes slightly to the side, though, it gets a really wide signature, which doesn't turn out quite so good. But yeah, if you can find the Statler Lumo Color medium tip pens, that is your best option because if you forget to prep it or don't prep it enough, they are usually very fast to dry. They don't bubble up anywhere near as much as a Sharpie does. So definitely look into those as the uh, pen of choice, I would say, if you can find them. They're really big in Europe. You may have to pay a little bit extra or wait a little bit longer for it to get to you, but it'll be worth it if you can find them.
1: Does Amazon have it? Are they available on Amazon or uh, Walmart or any of the online places?
2: You're going to pay a ton to get them on Amazon. Walmart does not have them. Um, I think Staples occasionally carries them, but it takes a while and costs a lot. You're talking like $3 a pen, and typically you have to buy them in like a box of 10 pens. So you're talking, you know, 30, 35 bucks once it all gets to you there. So, But I did find there's a company in England that I bought them from that had them as single pens. I didn't realize they were from England until after I bought them, so I was really sweating it until they finally got here. But there's a company in England I found that had, I think, like it's like two dollars for a pen plus a little bit extra for shipping. I think I paid ultimately about three dollars, but I didn't have to buy a box of ten of the things to be able right. to get them.
1: Well, cool. Thanks, Drew. Guys, yeah. Statler Pen uh, and sell to Statler Pen. It's great. It's top school labels. Great card to get autographed and um, you know prepped it. prepped the prep the card we've talked about it before Prep it with some baby powder or some of that white eraser stuff you can check it out there's all sorts of videos on youtube uh, about how to prep cards so i would check that out well thanks drew and guys please send your questions we have we, we love getting questions we got a couple other questions we don't answer them all online uh, on our show but we do uh, follow them up with emails and, and uh, we love uh, hearing from you send us an email at ttmcast at yahoo.com Well, next up, we're going to have our corner kicks with Clemente Lise. And now it's time for corner kicks with Clemente Lise.
3: Goal! Well,
1: Clemente is our soccer expert. Just to give you an example, right? We met Clemente face-to-face. I've, I've been talking to Clemente for a little while, and I hadn't met him face-to-face, but we, you get to meet friends at the Nationals. So we met Clemente, came over to the booth, and, and uh, we talked to him for a little while. And then Clemente started talking indoor soccer, and Drew's ears perked right up. <laughs> and him and Drew went on for about 15 minutes, and I didn't say boo. <laughs> Clemente knows soccer. He knows hockey, right? He knows yeah. He's a great collector, great uh, a great guy, and he's going to be a regular contributor to our show. We had him on last month. We're going to have him on every month up until the the uh, World Cup, which is going to start in mid November, and then during the World Cup, we're going to have on Clemente on every week to talk about um, soccer and soccer collectibles and how the performance on the field affects players' value. And Clemente is going to give uh, gives recommendations, and Clemente and I talk about. Uh, No soccer collectible something i don't i know nothing about so it's great to have an expert who uh he this this guy knows everything great very very knowledgeable and very articulate he's got a book coming out about soccer in october we're going to talk to clemente about that next month but uh please enjoy my interview with clemente lise guys get on the pitch it's time for corner kicks with clemente lise we're going to talk a little national we're going to talk soccer we are less than a hundred days from the World Cup, which is very exciting. Welcome, Clemente. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Very good. Hey, it was not nice to see you in person at the national. What was your overall impression of the show?
4: It was great. I was there just one day. And you know, I, I admit it's not enough to see the whole thing, obviously, but it was it was hopping, it was buzzing. Uh had a great time. And you know, uh running into you in person was great. Anytime I get a free t-shirt. It's a good day for me, I think. But uh, otherwise, I thought, you know, whatever any doubts anyone has about the hobby's health should uh, should look at the attendance numbers there, at least just the on the eye test alone. Lots of people buying and selling. It was very exciting, I thought.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was nice to see a lot of families and kids there. Um, I thought the, there was a lot of foot traffic. In terms of soccer collectibles, did you have a chance to uh, look at some of the boosts? I know there were a couple of booths that were really exclusive soccer.
4: Yeah, there was one. Yeah, one or two that were exclusive soccer, which I think was fairly new. Overall, I didn't think there was more than last year. Maybe it was about the same. Um, You know, soccer is in that really that niche category with Formula One, where depending on which show you're at, you might see more or less of it. But the fact that there's more people uh, interested in soccer, soccer cards, stickers, uh, soccer ticket stubs, that kind of thing, there was definitely more of that, and I thought that was really cool and there were a few people there that had, had come over from europe too which i think you know, i think the card show thing is pretty new for europeans so i think that they're interested in in what americans think about the sport and and the popularity that it is gaining here i think soccer is driving the market around the world now so that's interesting too
1: yeah i mean i think the world cup being you know 100 plus days away you know, when the national started i think it was a little far out that that most americans aren't really thinking world cup yet though they are starting to promote a little more on tv i've noticed this weekend watching baseball and some of the other sports that they are starting to promote it and um you know i think that i think the the crest the wave is going to just just starting don't you
4: yeah we're under 100 days now and i think as you get to 50 days and closer and closer you'll see you know now people are still in sort of in the summer mode they're still on vacation they're not really paying attention but i agree once the football season starts And they'll see more promos on Fox for the World Cup. I think you're right. I think that will help uh, generate more interest in the World Cup and soccer in general, and also soccer collectibles and cards, which I think are not too far behind.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Panini's got three or four releases of World Cup. Are they the official um, card producer for the World Cup?
4: Panini will, will put out the official cards, the Panini Prism set, which I think will probably come out in October. There's no date on that yet. What is coming out, which is exciting, August 24th is the Panini uh, Qatar 2022 album and stickers. Yep. And this is the first World Cup where, um, you know, post uh, pandemic, where there is a big interest in the stickers and grading them. You know, traditionally, anybody from age nine to 90 would just buy the book, put the stickers in the book, and then trade their extras. I can see a situation where a lot of places will run out, like a Target or Walmart or even your local drugstore will run out of stickers because many people are interested in getting them graded or hoarding them and hoping that they go up in value during the world cup. It's interesting. I think it'll be, like I said, I think it's it's the first time where these stickers have a little bit more mass appeal now than they used to Pardon the pun. And uh, right, I mean, I th-
1: they were really exclusive for kids, right? It was really a, a kid's thing.
4: Yeah. You know, in Europe, everybody does it, but it's mostly kids. In this country, the last, I think two world cup cycles, maybe three, it was exclusively kids. I could see that shifting. I can see adults being more interested in doing it because a lot of 2018 stickers were graded and they're out in the market now and, and we're doing very well. So I can see people trying to speculate on this new crop of players and, and old ones, including Messi, Ronaldo, that kind of thing, popular ones.
1: Do all the um, three or four major uh, grading companies grade the stickers? And uh, I know PSA does, but does Beckett and CSG and SCG? SCG
4: yeah, they all do. I've seen SCG and CSG stickers, um, particularly ones from the 70s and 80s. Those are the ones where uh people are interested in going back and trying to find some of that stuff. But you know, in that sense, it's like chasing sort of artifacts from the past. That's harder to do. I think, you know, the boom is is in the cards and the stickers of the last four or five years. That's where I think the sweet spot is for a lot of people.
1: Do you know if the Panini stickers, which I think they're 50 pack uh sticker boxes and they're only going for about 50 or 60 dollars. I don't think they're that expensive.
4: Right. They're relatively cheap. I think it's a few bucks a pack. And, you know, in that way, the stickers kind of remind me of the 1980s baseball cards. To just go there, yeah. buy a couple of packs and try to finish your album or try to finish your your base set. Um, it's similar, but I can see a lot of people ordering complete boxes in the mail. Panini has always said that they uh, it's all random and they print the same number of stickers of every player. There isn't more or less of any one player. Even though it always seems like you get the same guy nine times, right? Yep. Um, uh So, and they don't give you the print run. We don't know what that is, but it is global. So I'm guessing millions upon millions. I mean, literally since 1970, every single kid in the world, you know, has been chasing these. And some of those old albums are worth something. If you're able to complete your album, it could be worth something.
1: Do they have? Is uh, it kind of a lottery uh, ask as well with the stickers? Do they have? special you know gold stickers and uh you know that kind of stuff and are there are autographs in the stickers or are there they're,
4: no they're, no. Yeah, no autographs and stickers and there's no like parallel stickers those stickers are all the same they of all the players faces and teams and flags and all that and then they may have you know look back at past world cups and you may get a sticker of maybe pele or some other player from the past and those tend to be valuable because of who's on them but no they're not in that sense they're not fancy like cards are where there's parallels and gold and uh autographs you don't get any, any of that with the stickers
1: well a couple of the other higher end ones the 2021 uh, 22 Panini impeccable soccer trading cards the the hobby boxes are just out and those goes for about 2200 dollars a box is that um uh, what uh, those world cup related or are those uh, premier league or, or what yeah those are a
4: mix of different players from different leagues i mean many of those players also play at the world cup so yeah yep. you'll see that but that's you know we're talking about high-end stuff uh, another one that just came out was the paris saint germain uh set it's like ten thousand pounds about it's selling on ebay for twenty two thousand dollars, and you know it's esg <laughs> french team base set but it is it is some of the only autos out there of messi and killing mbappe that that are on card i talked in the past about how it is to difficult it is to get on-card autos of soccer players and so like for example leaf put out a signature series uh, on august 19th but those are all stickers right and so they're great you know they have pele and all these other guys in there but if you're looking for on card then you're you you know you're talking about high-end stuff now you know super high-end so it's you know, it's, it's feast or famine, right? Either you're paying $22,000 for a box or you're paying 60 bucks for the yeah. stickers, right? It's How just... about
1: the 2021, 22 uh, Panini Mosaic road to the FIFA world cup uh, cards that are coming out. I think they're coming out in a couple of weeks, actually. Is that, are those going to be featured in their, their world cup uh, uniforms and the teams? And is that, is that uh do, is that the, you know, the, the tops, uh, you know series one for for soccer so to speak is that is that the set that everyone's going to try to collect
4: yeah kind of you know the road to qatar is now the teams that tried to qualify which are over 200 teams tried to qualify for the world cup and only 32 make it so you'll have maybe you'll have players in there that didn't make the finals um but yeah you'll get all the players that you know most likely you'll see at the world cup they will be in their national team outfits um, you might have some rookies in there. Um, it, it's kind of a funny thing. The rookie card thing in soccer is a little difficult and complicated. You know, you could have been a player who debuted three years ago for your club team like Barcelona, but maybe this is your first world cup. Is that your rookie? Yeah, uh, maybe it's a world cup rookie, but it could be considered that. So, you know, uh, it'll be f- interesting to see what Panini does and tops and all these other companies with the RC, whether how they determine what a rookie is and what isn't, as you know, in other sports, sometimes the hobby determines that. Right. But, um, I- It'd be interesting to see if what kind of insignias or decals they put, you know, logos they put on these cards as they as they come out.
1: Do you know if any of the World Cup sponsors are uh, putting out anything special for the World Cup? You know, remember like McDonald's would put out a a, a, hot, uh, a set of uh, you know uh, football cards or you know. Uh, some food company would put out some baseball cards is is there a, a sponsor that's going to put out anything special for the as world right cup now, in terms of cards that you know of if-
4: yeah as of right now i don't know of any i know that in 94 when the world cup was hosted here minute Maid put out a set that was basically the same as the upper deck set only with the minute made logo and those are cool and there's fewer of those out there it wouldn't surprise me mcdonald's is a sponsor of the world cup it wouldn't surprise me if they did some kind of giveaway or insert. The other thing too is every McDonald's around the world may do something different. So maybe in Qatar or in Europe, there may be cards that come out there that don't come out here. I don't know. I'm speculating, but it's entirely possible that some collectibles will come out in different parts of the world and people will try to chase those on eBay. Uh, it often happens with hockey, right? Where Tim Hortons puts out stuff and can, yeah. but you can't get it here. Right. So it, it could be, I'll keep my eyes open for that because the food releases are always kind of fun and yeah,
1: I really like them.
4: Yeah. And there's also, they often tend to be in, in lesser number. So those are always more fun to have.
1: Now, how about, um, do the, there programs that they put out or their ticket stubs that, that are going to be available in the secondary market, you think?
4: Yes. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah. So the, the FIFA, which is the international soccer governing body puts out an official program, which you can get at games in Qatar. If you, if you're lucky enough to go to games there, you can probably buy them online. Um, the official program and yes as far as i know in 2018 this was happening fifa wants paper like they want you to present a paper ticket so there will be tickets and in that way it's kind of counterintuitive to uh you know Ticketmaster or everybody else putting it on your iphone so people will have paper tickets and so those i think will you know it'd be interesting to see what happens if someone has a big game like messi has a hat trick in a game will people be flipping that ticket the next day on ebay could be it could very well be and uh so yeah the ticket thing is going to be interesting because i was at one booth at the national i did notice there were tickets from the 1970 world cup that brazil won and they were going for thousands of dollars and uh, actually it was kind of interesting to see tickets from that long ago they were really big and i had never seen them in person so people must be scouring all kinds of attics and basements looking for stuff like this because up until now i've never seen it but i can see people who are traveling to the world cup if they don't know it, they should. That They may, they may have a bit of a treasure in their uh, suitcase if they're coming home with ticket stubs.
1: How about um, pins? My son's a big pin collector. You know, the Olympics, they trade pins, and there's pins everywhere. Um, is pins a big thing in the World Cup? Yeah, pins are becoming a
4: bigger thing at the World Cup. At the Olympics, as you just said, they're a real big deal. because different sports and different sponsors. But Coca-Cola's a big sponsor of the yep. World Cup, and they have pins um you know the official logo the host cities all that so there'll be pins out there and it's also fun to go on ebay or uh, on the secondary market and look for old pins from past world cups i've done that um and those are always fun to have i have a bunch of pins from 1990 world cup in italy uh 94 world cup here you know adidas put a bunch out uh at the time coca-cola put a bunch out um but pins are really an american thing and i think they're slowly gaining traction around the world in terms of soccer. Um the culture at the Olympics totally uh, winter or summer is pins, but I think you'll see more pins this time around as well.
1: We're speaking with Clemente Lise. Clemente is our soccer correspondent. We call it Corner Kicks with Clemente Lise and we we're going to talk to Clemente. Basically every week when we start uh I think November Clemente, what do you think? We'll start cuz world cup will be ra- really ramping up in November. Um, Yeah,
4: yeah. November 20th is the official start date. They actually moved it up one day to accommodate the host country so Qatar can play Ecuador on a Sunday. So November 20th is the start, so everyone's got their uh, uh, DVR ready and their uh, soccer parties ready to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the value of these guys, these guys, I think, and the interest in the, the, the whole World Cup is going to be changing on a daily basis because some guy will come out and score a big goal or some team that will come out of nowhere two weeks into the, 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 the tournament will come out. Um, is there anyone that we should be looking at on uh, the Team USA that, that might uh, become a, uh, an international superstar?
4: Yeah, so the U.S. is a relatively young team at this World Cup, which is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, Christian Pulisic plays for Chelsea in England. His rookie is in the 16-17 uh, uh, Donruss. Uh, you get the Rated Prospect card. It's in that, the 1617 17 Panini Select. Those prices have already kind of grown a little bit. So um, I recently saw something for sale that was interesting. It was a, one of these national giveaways from a couple of years ago, and it's a rookie on it. So people are trying to get their hands on every kind of Card of his, especially rookie year, they can. Um, but there are a bunch of young players on this team. Uh, Weston McKinney is a very good player, um, Ricardo Pepe, um, a bunch of players. And a lot of their rookies are in uh, the MLS sets, right? So sure. often the tops MLS boxes are relatively cheap. I always tell people, look, you know, MLS is our local, it's our domestic uh, soccer league, national league. You should be watching it. And a lot of young guys from there end up in Europe and then they end up at the World Cup and then the the, the rookie is in the top set, right? So I always tell people, speculate on those rookies because they're cheap and you might get a parallel or something and they are really under the radar until something like the World Cup rolls around and all of a sudden they they, they, they grow in price. So I always tell people, get the 2022 MLS set. It's out there now. It's been out there for a few months. Buy it. There could be guys in there who end up at the World Cup who have patch autos or autograph cards or just base cards. So it, um, it's, it's an affordable option to be Twenty thousand dollar boxes we just mentioned earlier. So.
1: Yeah, I just saw the 2022 Topps Chrome MLS Soccer due out on the 14th of September, and they're only going for about eighty-five dollars. That's retail, so I, I bet they they're a little lower if you, if you can find them like at a, a Target or a Walmart. Uh, which I thought was that's a pretty good buy, don't you think, for a uh, Topps Chrome?
4: Uh, yeah, absolutely. The the um, the regular, you know, they they kind of follow the baseball template. They yeah. use regular cards, and they come out the Chrome. Chrome costs a little more, but the regular ones are like 50, 60 bucks for the box. Um, and they're often widely available at Walmart or Target because people are making a run on these. They're looking for a baseball or something else. So they're out there. So yeah, absolutely. You probably get them a little cheaper too at a card shop. Um, so for sure. Yeah, those are definitely the, the especially if you can, you can pull an autograph out of a box and it's on card and it's a, a Chrome, it's always nice.
1: Do you know if the MLS players um, sign TTM? Are they, are they historically uh, TTMers or are they really kind of quite difficult to get autographs from?
4: Yeah, I found that if you if you write to players in the offseason at home, you may get them back because MLS offseason is, is the winter months. Uh, you may get it back because they live here in the United States. If you write to the teams what teams often do is you won't get your card back, but you won't get an autograph, but you'll get like some kind of care package from the team where they'll yeah. send you postcards and like maybe a hat or something. So if you're into that, you know, I know the revolution has done that. Uh, the Columbus crew have done that. I know people have done that. I've had more luck with, um, you know, retired American players, players who are maybe five years or more who are in retirement guys like Alexi Lalas, um, Clint Dempsey, Landon Donovan, Yep. guys who all were stars in the 90s and 2000s those guys are good ttmers
1: how about our, our u.s our goalie the goalie usually comes uh you know is one of the featured uh players from the world cup but do we anticipate our goalie to be a, a star well,
4: the u.s has always been a really good producer of goalies the u.s is kind of a problem right now which is they have two guys zach stefan and uh uh turner both guys are, are great goalies we don't know who's going to be the starting goalie, you know, and in soccer, it's not like baseball where you're rotating pitchers. You want to, you got to, you know, you want to start with a guy. And so it remains to be seen how these guys play now in their club seasons and whether or not, you know, it could be a last minute decision. We'll know who the starting goalie is, but the U S you know, every team brings three goalies to the world cup. Uh, hopefully you only use the one because otherwise it means that they were the right hey, part.
1: Right?
4: So yeah, exactly. You're really hoping just to go with your one starter. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what the who the U.S. goes with. The U.S. has traditionally been a very good um, producer of goalkeepers, for whatever reason. Yeah,
1: well, that's why I was thinking, just harking back to the nineteen eighty Olympics in hockey, where Jim Craig came out of nowhere. You know, when when the Olympics started, no one knew who Jim Craig was, and then two yeah. weeks after, you, you know, you couldn't get a, find a Jim Craig card or a Jim Craig autograph. You'd have to pay through the nose for it. So. So these guys do come out of nowhere so to speak and uh I think goalie position always seems to be that w- that one position that has the ability to find – you know they make that great save to to, to uh, you know save a game or uh, there's always seems to be a, the goal the goalie seems to be the the position where you can uh, a yeah, a great investment position
4: yeah for my, for my for my money Matt Turner who now plays for Arsenal in England though he's actually on the bench he might be the U.S. starter, and, and I would go back to the MLS sets and look for him because he was playing for the Revolution up until last season or this season. So, yeah, his, his rookie would be somewhere in those sets. Um, and, yeah, with goalies, though, it's interesting. It's a little bit more like um, like in, in hockey. Some goalies get hot and the card values go up, but then they kind of cool off. Yep. In soccer, it's really all about the guys who score the goals. And so I think, you know, in that way, a, a Christian Pulisic, whose rookie cards are, you know, in the hundreds of dollars now, could could go that next level and go into the thousands if the U.S. is able to even get out of the group. He gets a couple of goals. And then you just never know what happens in the knockout stage, you know.
1: Right. And there's always some team that no one ever thought about, you know, not you know, the Cameroons a couple of years ago. Yeah. Right. right. Cinderella,
4: Cinderella team. Right.
1: Right. And everyone, everyone wants a piece of that.
4: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, Clemente, thank you very much. We're going to talk Clemente. Next month in September, once in, in October, and then we'll start, probably start every week in, into November as we get into the, the World Cup and through through the end of the World Cup. We're going to talk soccer, talk who to collect cards to collect. Uh, Panini is the official um, card producer for uh, FIFA World Cup soccer. Topps is the MLS, so there's all sorts of soccer cards out there. Leaf is producing car- soccer cards as well. Um, is there anyone uh, any other major? card companies. No, it's cards? funny.
4: All, all of them are producing cards. You're right. Panini tops and leaf all produce cards. So, um, and I was mentioning the on card autos leaf has put out a signature series, but those are all stickers, sticker autos. Interesting. So, so, so it's, it's hard to get those on card because these guys are traveling all the time and all over the world. So, um, but next time we talk, I'll probably be my eyeballs up with stickers, my kids and I. So,
1: <laughs> All right, my friend, we will talk to you next month. I want to thank you for your expertise. As you as you know, I know nothing about soccer. I'm learning. I'm learning, my friend. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Thanks for your time, Jeff.
1: All right, thank you. I'll talk to you later.
4: Okay. Bye, Jeff.
1: You know what? The best part of this show, Drew, for me is learning stuff. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. You can't know everything about everything, right? And you you know you're on and you know you know everything just about everything but <laughs> when it comes to soccer i know nothing but i know you know the, just looking around at the national how many how many booths were right soccer stuff there was soccer uniforms and soccer cards and soccer autographs and soccer is a bit
2: is is getting to become a big portion of of collecting and internationally it, it's very big Yeah, I mean, it's always been the world sport, it seems like, over the last uh, 100 years or so. But the crazy thing is, I mean, cards never really took off around the world until recently at all. I know, uh, you know, they tried putting out some various card sets around the world. I know Score tried to get into the uh, Italian Serie A back in 1992 with a set, and it went over like a lead balloon. But once Panini got involved, I mean, everybody, everybody around the world knows Panini because of the sticker books. And so I think adding their name onto the cards has really added a lot of credibility to soccer card collecting around the world. And so that has really taken off now over the last, especially over the last 10 years or so.
1: Yeah, well, I want to thank Clemente, Lisa, and Clemente will be on next, uh, next month. We'll be back next month. If you have any questions for Clemente, just send us an email at Yahoo.com And uh, we'll, we'll pour it over to Clemente and let us know uh, what you think about the segment. Well, next up, we're going to go right into uh, what's happening in the grading community with Making the Grade.
0: Making the Grade is sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win.
1: Well, Making the Grade is a summary of what's been going on in the grading community. It's all, all sorts of news to report. Just a couple of things this week. We just want to remind uh, our friends at CSG, they have improved their turnaround times. So they are now working on 30 days for bulk submissions, which are down to uh, from 40 days Their economy submission is down to 20 days, down from uh, 25 days. Their standard submissions are down to 10 days from 15 days. And express submissions are down to five days, down from seven days. So CSJ has improved their turnaround times. They've added a ton of new graders. Uh, They've improved their uh, process and flow in and out. They've caught up on all their backlogs. So check them out. It's uh, csgcards.com, CSG grading. CSG is uh, obviously the sponsor of our show one of our sponsors of our show and we appreciate it a good company give them a try
2: uh news from Beckett we mentioned a while back they're planning on moving into a new uh, corporate headquarters they have now done so this week uh so you may have remembered a couple of weeks ago we were saying their uh, grading numbers were down significantly I'm sure that has a lot to do with it there it's a lot of stuff to move around there but I believe uh up in Plano or something like that I know it's just a uh, kind of north uh, north part of Dallas of the Dallas area there but Beckett has officially moved in they are up and running in their new headquarters so good to see that and uh, hopefully see them getting right back on with the normal times on the grading
1: yeah I've seen pictures of it it looks like a a a nice building and you know anytime uh, a company in our our sector can grow it's good because that means the hobby is healthy and there's money to be made for everyone and there's a lot of things happening and there's a lot of potential jobs out there for people so yeah. uh you know congratulations to to beckett uh, uh, on moving into their new headquarters well that wraps up making the grade and we're going to go right into ttm stamp of approval did you like my announcer voice there i like TTM- it <laughs>
0: I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM cast stamp of approval.
1: <laughs> TTM cast stamp of approval. Drew, why don't you give your, your, your stamp of approval and you're your, uh, recuperating from last night. So why don't you, uh, why don't you take it?
2: Yeah, we had uh, so as a lot of, you know, I play in a uh, small punk band here in the Dallas area and we had a show last night. So just want to give my uh, stamp of approval to the venue and the other bands that were all there last night, had a great, uh, great show getting to, not only play but also watch all these other great bands as well especially uh death before breakfast my previous band or one of my previous bands was out there as well so i got to see them and i couldn't have well okay i got to hear them because i had to set up my drum set outside and everything so uh couldn't really watch them at all but <clears throat> excuse me i was able to at least hear them and everything um bands uh booth had a really great show as did uh, the two watts the two watts i almost joined before i joined my current one so it was, it's always cool getting to see them but uh what I love about these punk shows here, it's at uh killer's tacos out in Denton. So you're getting really great tacos along with a whole bunch of bands there. But what I like about, especially a lot about the uh, punk scene in Denton there is that it is all different ages. You're going to see, you know, teenagers out there watching the show. You're going to see people in their fifties and sixties out there watching the show. I mean, my own band and uh death for breakfast and uh, the two Watts, I think all have members over 50 in them. So it's uh it's, it's just such a wide range of people that are all involved in this stuff. And I don't know, Denton just has a really great music scene out there. I always love playing shows out there. So my two thumbs, my uh, stamp approval, thumbs up this week goes to any of the punk bands that played out there in Denton last night. And of course, to Killers Tacos for providing a great venue and awesome food as well.
1: All right, well, Drew, we, we have to get a cut of one of your, your songs so we can play it on the show. Definitely.
2: I will we're we're hopefully gonna start doing some actual studio recording here pretty soon because uh we have a couple rough demos here and there, but nothing that's uh, nothing that's really suitable for release just yet. But we'll uh, we'll see what we can do.
1: And you know I'm gonna ask for our jingle. We're still waiting for the CTF cast jingle. I did mention that to lastly I said hey I'm if we can say, write next life, you have to take up the harmonica, not the drum set.
2: <laughs> I actually have a harmonica here that I can I can play uh I can play like one song on it. I can play when the saints go marching in on it. And that's about it. But I'm trying to learn a little bit more with that. I got to, I wanted to get a set of a whole bunch of different keys and everything too. So.
1: Well, that's a little easier to set up than a frigging drum set.
2: Yes. And uh, it's much lighter and easier to transport. Cause I mean, just, I mean, taking it all, I had to set it all up outside, carry it all in, get it set up on this little mini stage. They've got there, play through 30 minutes. I mean, these are fast songs that we're playing. There, so I'm pounding away at those things then take it all, drag it back outside and break it down. I'm like about to pass out in the middle of this. So I'm having to, you know take a break and run in and sit next to the air conditioner there and all that. Right. But, it's 90 degrees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, the crazy thing is it was still cooler this time. Than it was the last time we played out there. I mean, but yeah, I eventually got through it and everything and uh, got some food into me and all was good after that. So well, cool. Cool. Yeah. I'm glad, glad
1: you got back on the stage. Uh, my TTM cast stamp of approval is um, the show better call Saul. Uh, I don't know if you drew. You've been following it. It, it we had a, it had its uh, it was, see it was show uh, summary or its last episode was um, this Monday. All right, uh, it's so it's on AMC. It's on at uh, it's nine o'clock to ten o'clock. Basically, I think it was to ten thirty this time because they extended the show out. But it, it's a great show um, if you can catch it on what um, on Hulu or any of the, the other the other online things you can watch some of the old episodes and catch up. If you haven't watched it, it was the, the season finale. The episode finale was uh, this past Monday. It's a great show. Um, kind of. Uh, a, a, it's a prequel, I guess, to um, Breaking Bad, but they brought in, brought a lot of the Breaking Bad characters back into the last couple of episodes to kind of tie it all in. It's, it's, it's just really a great show. It's an hour well spent. Um, check it out. Uh, Bob Odenkirk is Saul um Goodman and, or Jimmy McGill who is, is alter ego and it's just a great show. So my stamp approval goes to Better Call Saul on AMC. Well that wraps up um stamp approval. We're gonna go uh next up is the Run Rap Minute. So, Drew, why don't you do the Vern Rap Minute intro because you do it much better than I do.
2: All right. Well, Vern Rap Minute is dedicated to the memory of Vern Rap, who uh, Jeff mailed a TTM request out to a while back and found out that he'd already died. So uh, we try to put this out there as a kind of assistance and reference to other collectors out there so that they don't make the mistakes that we have out there and accidentally send to somebody who has already passed on. So we give an update as to any deaths in the world of sports, celebrity, music, politics, anything like that from the past week.
1: Well, thank you. Very good, Drew. In the world of baseball, we lost Milt Ramirez. You might not recognize the name, but he played in the 70s. He played, was an outfielder. Uh, he was 72 years old. He played in from uh, 1970 to 71 with the St. Louis Cardinals. And then he played his last year in 1979 with the Oakland A's. He played at what, 28 games, right, Drew? Yeah. With the Oakland A's in 1979. He was uh, played in the Puerto Rican League. Uh, he did do, uh, sign a few TTMs. T- and I said, uh, again, uh, Milt was
2: 72 years old. Moving into the hockey world, a uh, center from the Golden Seals and Cleveland Barons, Lynn Bradley, died this week, age 79. But he played from 1974 to 77 with those two teams. Of course, the Golden Seals moved to Cleveland and became the Barons before being absorbed by the Minnesota North Stars later on. But as I said, Lynn Bradley was a centerman for those two teams. Uh, he was not a TTMer. 79 years old.
1: I love the Golden Seals uniforms. So oh, I yeah. Just, I always love those uniforms. We lost uh, Charlie Frazier. Charlie Frazier was a wide receiver uh, in the AFL. He was a 1966 AFL All-Star. He played for the Houston Oilers primarily, and then he played a couple years with the New England Patriots, the Boston Patriots. From 1962 to 1970, he was not a TTMer. Charlie was 83 years old.
2: Uh, Still continuing in the football world, Fred Hyatt, also a wide receiver. He played with the Cardinals, the Saints, and the Redskins from 1968 to 1973. A few TTMs from him here and there, but uh, I guess not a consistent signer necessarily, but did sign a few. He was 75 years old. We
1: lost on uh, coaching legend, Pete Carell. Pete Carell was a coach for Princeton for over 29 years, for 29 years, actually. He won over 500 games. Um, his team always made the NCAA tournament, if you remember. it was all, They were always a tough team because they they played this um, solid defense that, that really gave teams uh, a problem. So uh, Pete Carell was a, a coaching legend. He passed away. He was 93 years old.
2: Uh, keeping him in the world of basketball, Togo Palazzi died this week. He was one of the early Boston Celtics, played for them in the pre Bill Russell era. Also played with the Syracuse Nationals. And here's a great name the Scranton Miners. He was a part of that team as well. Uh, played his college ball at Holy Cross, but spent 1954 to 1962 in the NBA. Not a TTMer. He was 90 years old. Yeah, he was also the women's
1: basketball coach at Holy Cross. Oh. Um, we lost Ann Hack. Ann Hack, of course, is an, a- an actress. He's choosing in a lot of things, including Cedar Rapids and Donnie Brasco. Uh, Ann Hack was only 53 years old.
2: Uh, Riddick Parker in the football world. He was a defensive end for Seattle, for the Patriots, and for the Ravens. Played from 1997 to 2003, so a very recent uh, player in there. Also spent time at the University of North Carolina for his college ball signed a few TTMs here and there, but uh, he died this week, only age 49, so fairly young on him.
1: Yeah, he had a heart attack uh, riding, he was riding, uh, riding a bike he was, when, I, I hate to see when people that are, are younger than me pass away, it's like, oh no yeah. <laughs> so that, that was that was a shocker. Well, that wraps up our uh, Burn Rap Minute next up, we are going to talk TTM returns, and we had a lot of returns this week for, for both of us.
0: Was our mailbox full this week? Let's take a look at this week's TTM returns
1: well, this is why we do TTM and Drew, right? I, I finally, uh, I was a la- lazy, lazy, lazy for uh, a couple weeks there, maybe a month up, up, leading up until the National. And when I came back from the National, I said, you know what? I got to start getting some requests out. So I've been really going crazy. I probably got out maybe 80 or 85 requests in the last two weeks. I've been just okay. going going gangbusters uh i got a lot of cards at the national uh that i've been sending out and i've I've been going through some of my old football cards so i got um i got 17 returns this week um in the world of my football mostly i got uh 86 and 87 tops which i've been sending out and all these returns that i've got the last this last week are all like a week to uh a week and a half old they're they're really quick returns so in, in for football i got dennis smith uh, who played for the Denver Broncos? Kent Hill, who played for the Rams. I got Mark Wilson, who was a quarterback with the uh Raiders, and he played for the Patriots too, right? He was he did, yes. He was foot. I, I, I got him on an 86 top card, he was with the Raiders. I got uh, Bill Pickell, who played for the Raiders, was a uh, I think it was an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman. I think defensive lineman sounds I think he right. was a defensive lineman, and then I also got uh Steve Jordan from a on a, a 1989 top card. Uh, who played for uh, the Minnesota Vikings. He was a great, uh, great tight end for the Minnesota Vikings. In the world of uh, baseball, I got Jamie Bubella on a 2003 Topps card. It's one of his rookie cards. I got um, Jerry Manuel, who was a manager for the White Sox. And I believe he was a infielder for the White Sox as well, right? I think so. I think he played maybe for
2: the Expos as well. I want to say. Yeah, get- I think so too. Teams out there. Yeah.
1: And then I got uh, pitcher Steve Traxel from the Chicago Cubs. I got him on a 1999 Topps card. And then I got a bunch of um, 1976 Topps basketball cards, which are the Tall Boys. I oh, picked yeah. up a bunch of them at the National, and I've got a lot. I've got a lot back. So I got uh, Alvin Adams, who played for the Suns. I got Billy Keller, who played for the Pistons, uh, uh, the, the Pistons, the Pacers. India, uh, for in the ABA. I got Junior Bridgman from the Milwaukee Bucks. Lionel Hollins from the uh, Blazers, Trail Blazers. He wrote a book on, on the card. You know, it's such a large card. He probably had like uh, seven things he wrote on on the card, which was kind of cool. Sven Nader, who was a center for the he played for the Clippers and a couple other teams. Chris Ford, uh, who played for the, the Pistons and the Celtics. Steve Mix, who played for the 76ers. Butch Beard, who played for the Knicks. Jim Jones from your Cavaliers, from Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh yeah, his card is awesome. Have you seen that card? It's got. I
2: haven't. I'll have to check it out a,
1: though. It's a. It's got the his yellow, the yellow uh, long pants on and the loud shirt, it's just a. Oh man, it's just a great card. And um, I think that is it for for God, for my tall boys so far. So uh, it was it was a really good week. I got um, seventeen returns, probably maybe about. I don't know, twenty-five or thirty cards because most of these guys, other than the basketball, I sent out. I usually send out two cards, and most of them send back two cards. All the football cards, football football guys, were two cards, so it was pretty a pretty good week for returns. And as I said, I sent out. I think I sent out fifteen or eighteen on Wednesday, and I sent out like thirty on Monday. So I got a lot of lot of requests out there. I'm finally I'm finally got been just really uh, really busy. It was kind of a crappy week weather-wise here, so I've just been doing a lot of TTMing, you
2: know. Yep, yep. I've got to look into that at Jim Jones' card there. I had bad luck on uh, TTMing him, so uh, I might it might be about time to give him a second try there. So I uh, might have to look into that. But I had a decent week as well. Well, decent few weeks, I guess it would be, since I'm having to get caught up on everything that came in while I was at the national there. But um, the I got four of them back while I was at the national, including uh, NASCAR driver William Byron, who signed. All the cards I sent, including one of them was a uh I guess not a jersey card. It's used to be a fire suit card in that case, being a uh, race car driver there. But had one of those from a select set and he assigned that as well as the other ones I enclosed. Uh Ben Lecompt, who is in one of the Allen and Ginter sets, I believe 2018. He is a long distance swimmer and uh, has the claim of having uh having swam, swum, whatever the word swam, is right, swam. Yeah. If you swam or swam, I forget which one is which one goes with which, but uh Either way, he, he made his way across the Atlantic Ocean swimming. So that's a, that's a crazy accomplishment right there. But uh, he's in the Allen Gitter set. he signed two cards from that that I sent. Uh, Calvin Murray, who was a baseball player for the Giants back in the 90s through the early 2000s or so. First round pick of the Giants. He had also been a first round pick of the Indians, but decided not to sign and went to college instead at uh, University of Texas. But uh, that one took about a year, maybe two years to get back to me. That was one of the uh, longer ones I've had. Uh, also current Rangers outfielder Cole Calhoun signed a card for me that I actually sent that one out while we were up at the national dropped it in the uh, mail at the uh, hotel there. And fortunately it did drop it in the mail for me. So, cause it got down to him and then came back to me here. And uh, the last one I got was James McCann who just came in this past week The catcher. I've uh, been with a number of teams, but I sent to his agent's office, which is here in the Dallas area, sent that one back in, I want to say April, right around when the season started and just came back to me here this past week. So I uh, got that one back, and it's another Heritage set hit right there. A couple of purchases I made as well. Picked up a Miguel Rojas for my uh, tops uh, Heritage set. And a few unsigned items for the various soccer sets that I'm working on trying to complete. So just kind of chipping away at those and actually completing one of them and then uh, knocking one down to only two more cards that I need. So uh, making my way through those ones at least.
1: Very nice. Well, hey, yeah, I'm going to hold out my Jim Jones card for you. Can you see that?
2: Oh, wow, that is great.
1: Isn't that a neat one? Yeah, seven his seventy six card. He he's shown. He's got his warm up shirt on, and it's like um, I don't know what, what is, that's yellow, right? It's like bright yellow with red stripes, and it's just yep, kind yep. it's just so funky. It's just so seventies, you know. So I was kind of they call cool. it
2: wine and gold, but it's 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 more yellow than gold for sure. Yeah,
1: <laughs> no, it's kind of cool. And he's he's like dribbling the ball and kind of looking up, like you're taking my picture, and I'm wearing this, you yeah. know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Can you see well, picture of this angle when I'm seven feet tall? Come on, guys. I know. It's very cool. Well, thanks, Drew.
1: Um, I love love hearing your returns. Uh, we That wraps up our returns for the week, guys. Next, we're going to go um, do our TTMcast Weekly interview.
0: This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, csgcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading.
1: Well, as I said at the beginning, I had a, a chance to meet with Jeff Owens at the national drew and i met him a couple times actually and uh jeff's been a great guy he's been at the, on the show a couple times and i said oh, we got to talk to jeff and see, see get his take on, on the hobby and what's going on the national so i interviewed jeff the other day and uh he is really forthcoming and has really he has his finger on the pulse of the, the hobby i think he's a really really nice guy so please enjoy my interview with uh, editor of sports this digest jeff owens but first here's a message from our friends at csg
0: CSG is even faster. You heard correctly, CSG is now even faster, providing quicker turnaround times for your graded cards. CSG has reinvested in the company with additional graders, improved technologies, and streamlined workflows. All of this gives CSG's customers the best experience in getting their cards back with the fastest turnaround times and lowest fees. Experience the new turnaround times and all that CSG has to offer online at csgcards.com.
1: Joining the program is a friend of the show, uh, a great ambassador to the hobby. His name is Jeff Owens. He is the editor of Sports Collector's Digest, the voice of the hobby, which I'm so jealous I never thought that up before. They, they <laughs> stole it. <laughs> they can steal it. They came up with it. I just want to steal it. Well, Jeff, welcome to the program.
3: Thanks, Jeff. Glad to be
1: here. I mean, Sports Collector's Digest has been around how long? For for like 40 years or something, right? Yeah, a
3: little over 40 years. It started back in the 70s and uh, still kicking, still doing well. We still have a loyal subscriber base. And uh, I had so much fun at the National with people coming up to me and saying, Hey, I've been reading Sports Collector's Digest uh, since I was a kid. And uh, that really resonates with me because I did too. You know, I read it when I was a kid. You could pick it up on the newsstands when you went to buy a, a pack of cards at the grocery store or whatever so uh it's uh it's a pleasure and an honor to be uh working with it now all these years later well no it's fun i, I was a, a,
1: a subscriber when i was young young probably my teen teenage years and it was before the internet you know you couldn't get any of this information other than uh sports this digest and, and you know the internet has kind of boomed and it, now information is everywhere but sports digest still has a place i think in our hobby uh, and, and as, as kind of as a as voice of the hobby
3: yeah. Yeah, we that's what that's kind of the slogan they've gone with for years and it really is true. I mean, we we do our best to to try to uh, give a voice to the collectors out there, and write about collectors and their collections, and and also follow what's going on in the hobby and the trends and all that stuff too. So uh, we're doing well. We still have a, a strong subscriber base for the print magazine, <laughs> which is rare these days. You know, magazines are kind of going by the wayside for a lot of people, but uh, we still have a strong subscriber base uh, working on the website, you know, we still publish a lot of content there and we're trying to grow that as well. So, uh, things are going well so far. We're, uh, you know, obviously the industry has been booming the last couple of years and, uh, it's helped our business as well too. So, uh, we're glad to still be out there. Part of the hobby.
1: Well, of course, we're speaking with Jeff Owens. Jeff is the editor of Sports Collector's Digest. You can go to sportscollectorsdigest.com to uh, see all their content, and you can also uh, subscribe. And there's actually, a, uh, when it pops up, you can get a free issue. You can sign up for a free issue, and they have newsletters and all sorts of stuff. Jeff, I know you and I uh, bumped, in, bumped into each other everywhere at during the national you you and greg were probably the hardest working people at the national because every time i looked over my shoulder there was one of you guys so what was (laughs) your thought on the national overall and uh and kind of the you know the pulse of the hobby uh you know spending four or five days with collectors
3: yeah yeah i thought it was great jeff um you know, we had our logistical issues just like everybody else. Uh, so there, there were some problems there. But overall, I thought it was a great show. Uh, the crowd was tremendous. Um, you know, we got there Wednesday, late Wednesday afternoon, uh, a little bit after the doors opened, and I couldn't believe how many people were already there. A huge VIP crowd. And then Thursday was unbelievable. Uh, I think Thursday and Friday the crowds to me. And from what I heard from a lot of dealers was actually bigger than they were in Chicago the year before Um, it seemed to slow down a little bit on Saturday, but I think overall it was a great show. Um, And I think it showed that the, the hobby is alive and well, no question about it. You know, certainly we've, we've seen a little dip over the last several months with some of the modern stuff and all that, but you would never know it by looking at those crowds at the national. I thought they were tremendous, uh, we talked to a lot of dealers. Um, we did, we, uh, you know, we probably walked 25 miles in four days. Just, just Jeff, every
1: time it. I looked up, there was one of you guys, I'm like, get away from me. You guys yeah. follow me around.
3: <laughs> yeah, we were making the rounds. Greg Bates, one of my riders, was there with me. And, um, uh, our mission was to talk to as many people as we could in the hobby, um, You know, so we made the rounds, you know, we hit all the auction houses and all the grading companies and and all the big corporate areas. Um, We spent some time with fanatics. Uh, We were uh, able to land an interview there with Josh Luber. Uh, That was very insightful, very helpful. Uh, We appreciate them working with us on that. Uh, We spent some time with the folks at eBay um, and then just got around to all of them. You know, we, we started out, the first place we went was to heritage heritage auctions, And they of course had the mantle, the 52 mantle, the 9.5 that has already set a record and we're waiting to see how high it's going to go. And, uh, we wound up spending a lot of time over there because they were so, you know, the, the owners showed up and we got to go and spend some time with the, with the owner of the card and do that story. That was a lot of fun, but, um, yeah, we spent most of our time uh, going around and just talking to people, you know, Nat Turner at, at Collectors and uh, the folks at PSA and and, uh, and all the grading companies and uh, Ezra Levine at, at Collectible. We spent some time with him and uh, tried to get around to as many people as we could. I, when we got back, I, I kind of put a report together. Uh, from my bosses and I think we had talked to maybe tw- over 25 different people and, and visited uh, probably uh, 15 to 20 different companies and dealers. Uh, so yeah, we covered uh, we covered the ground pretty well, I think, and uh, learned a whole lot, uh, made some great connections and uh, covered some great stories, uh, some that have already shown up on the website. Uh, I was very happy and pleased with the magazine that we just put to bed uh, after coming back from the national. Um, you know, we did a 124 page preview issue prior to the national, which is the largest issue we have done in 15 years. Wow. Um, that kind of shows you what the hobbies doing, And, and it was, it wasn't supposed to be that large, but we sold so much advertising that we were able to go up in page count. So that's good for the industry, good for the hobby, good for our advertisers. So we published a large preview issue prior to the event. Um, It was in uh, VIP bags. Uh, If you were a VIP there, you got a copy within your uh, goodie bag. Uh, We also had some copies uh, available for free there at uh, Kevin Savage Cards. Uh, uh he helped us out uh distributing those for us and uh i think we gave him about 500 or a thousand and uh after three days he was pretty much out and, and said he could have gotten you know could have given away another thousand yep. um that was great uh we were very happy and pleased with that but overall i thought it was a great show we talked to john brogie after the event was over with and he basically acknowledged that uh you know how they are they don't want to give out attendance numbers you know they're never going to give you an exact figure and they're never going to say it's a record and all that but he did tell us that he thought it was about uh 10 or 12% larger than the crowd in Chicago last year and he uh, also said he thought there was about 10,000 to 12,000 more people so that kind of tells you there they're going off of that 100,000 um Number, you know, so I think there were probably ninety thousand to a hundred thousand people there, and uh, he basically confirmed that it was a larger crowd than than Chicago, and they basically called it the second largest crowd of all time. Um, so that tells you right there. I mean, it was a tremendous crowd, uh, a lot of people, a lot of business going on, and and I think it was a very strong show all the way around.
1: Yeah, I had heard 80,000 is the number kind of a couple of days after the show. I don't I can't remember who gave me that number, but I, I, I was uh, I, th- I had to take a step back for a second. And I was like 80,000 people that collect cards, which is incredible. Uh, Mike, one of the things that really surprised me, and I and I'd like to get your take on it, is that how um, many breakers there were and how vibrant it was and how many people were breaking uh cards boxes at the show. I you know I I never it's kind of the the portion of the hobby that I don't really have my finger on because I'm not really into breaking and it's it, but it seems to be such a a growing uh, facet of the hobby.
3: It is. It is. It's not really my thing either, Jeff to be honest with you, but I was impressed by how many were there. Uh it was a huge area of the show. Uh, And it was very vibrant. I mean, you heard a lot of screaming and yelling and cheering all the time when somebody made a big pull. Uh, There were a lot of breakers there, a lot of activity, Um, you know, whatnot, a a new company into the hobby. They had a big presence there uh, uh, on the main stage. And and there was a lot of breaks going on on the main stage and in the breakers area. So I thought it was a lot of activity going on there. It kind of pumped you up just walking through there because there were big crowds. I agree. There was just
1: a lot. There was a lot of (laughs) energy. You know, there was just a a lot of buzz in that section of the. Yeah, it
3: it was very much a carnival-like atmosphere, I think. Uh, There are a lot of giveaways going on. You know, they had big wheels you could spin to win a card or win a T-shirt or win whatever. Uh, It seems like there was always something uh, being given away. Uh, a lot of people were doing breaks live from right there. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a great addition. Uh, that was one of the things that that impressed me or surprised me most in Chicago last year is the presence of the breakers and, and all that. And I thought it was even larger this year. And um, it seems like that's, you know, the two areas that were um, – you know, bigger than the, than Chicago, were the breaking, the breakers, the breaking area, uh, and I thought, I thought also the corporate area was a lot larger than it was in Chicago, and um, you know, a lot, a lot of really big exhibits there. Fanatics had a big presence. Yeah. Um, zero. Even cool. the great
1: Jeff, sorry to but even the grading community. I mean, the, all the grading, the big graders were there, and they all had big booths with a lot of stuff in it and a lot of things to do, and uh, you know, it wasn't just. PSA and, and a couple of uh, also ant runs, you know, there were, there were a lot of presents there for great. Yeah,
3: I agree. You know, CSG had a lot going on. I mean, you were broadcasting from there, so, you know, but um, you know, I think that Jordan exhibit, those sneakers attracted a lot of people. So every time we went by CSG, there are a lot of people around there. You know uh, Max Spiegel was one of the first people we talked to at the start of the show. We went by to see those sneakers, and, and see that exhibit. And we talked to Max for a little while about various things going on in the hobby and, and how their business was. But yeah, I thought CSG had a huge presence. Uh, PSA, of course, as always Beckett, had a big exhibit, a lot of people around there. Um, SGC. I mean, yeah, I thought, I thought all the grading companies did a really good job of being visible. They had a lot of traffic in their areas and, uh, I thought it was a great show for them. And uh, and of course, you know, long lines, you know, seemed like PSA had a long line all week long. Yep. Uh, Beckett, Beckett did too. Uh, so those guys were obviously doing a whole lot of business. So uh, that's good. You know, it's good to see uh, those companies that are such a vital part of the hobby uh, out there to the public. One of the neatest things we saw, I think it was Thursday morning, we walked in, um, the first person, one of the first people we saw was Nat Turner And we didn't just run into him, he was behind the counter helping customers uh, and I thought that was pretty cool. You know, we had to wait probably 15 minutes or, or so to chat with him, uh, because he was helping customers. Uh, he was answering questions. Uh, I saw him go the back a few times and bring some cards out and, and doing different things, but you know, he's one of the most prominent people in the hobby and, and kind of the head of a, a really large company, yeah. but, but there he is right out front, um, getting his hands dirty and, um, you know, working with the customers. And, and I thought that was a pretty cool thing uh, to see as well. And uh, I think that just shows you, you know, everybody's kind of, you know, in the hobby doing their thing. But, you know, the, the big thing everybody's trying to do is uh, build a hobby, make it bigger and better for everybody. We're speaking with Jeff Owens.
1: Jeff is editor of sportscollectorsdigest.com. Go to sportscollectorsdigest.com. To uh, get a, you can get a free issue. You can see all their content. You can sign up for their newsletter. Uh, Jeff, did you guys have a chance to talk to any of the former athletes that were there signing? And did you get an overall sense of, of you know their involvement and in, in their take on on the hobby and meeting collectors?
3: Yeah, we were over there a little bit. Uh, we had Ross Foreman, who's one of our writers. Uh, he helps out TriStar a little bit with photos and different things. So he was there the whole time and filed a, an awesome story for us on that. I, I made it over there a few times, not nearly as much as I wanted to. It seemed like in Chicago, I saw just about every athlete that came through there. This time we were so busy chasing stories and doing other stuff that uh, I didn't get there very much. I was there um, when Big Poppy was signing. Uh, I thought that was great. Uh, tremendous crowd there. Uh, and I was just struck by, you know, just how accommodating and nice he was, um, with all the people there. Obviously there was a huge line of Red Sox fans, uh, but I saw him stand up two or three times and hug people. Uh, there was one kid who came through there. Um, he was a teenage guy and, and he got his stuff signed. And then he sort of made a casual comment to uh, big poppy. It turns out that the kid's dad uh, was friends with big poppy. Uh, so, Ortiz immediately jumped up and hugged him and turned around and he actually looked at me. I was standing there and like, take a picture, take a picture. So we took some pictures and we wrote something about that. And uh, that was pretty cool. The other great moment I saw was uh, right around the same time. Uh, Dr. J was signing right beside uh, big poppy there. And uh, Dick Vermeil came over after he got through signing he came over and he hugged Dr. J and, and they talked for, couple of minutes and shared some uh, stuff and uh that was pretty cool seeing two legends like that you know one of the most famous nfl head coaches of all time and one of the most famous nba stars of all time sharing a moment like that um but we heard you know ross followed his story and we heard uh, a lot of stories about how accommodating and nice uh, many of the athletes were uh the huge crowds and there were some athletes um you know, getting autographs themselves and getting photos with other athletes. Uh, I think even, um, Allen Iverson, I heard came back on Saturday afternoon and hung out just so he could see some other athletes and chat with them and get some photos and signatures and that kind of thing. Um, So that was, that was cool. You know, it sounds like that was a huge success uh, for TriStar and the whole show and uh, just a lot of great legendary athletes coming through there. And uh, it's good. You always love to hear the good stories, you know, some of them probably, um, can be a little grumpy sometimes and not the best, but for the most part, we didn't hear much of that. You know, we heard stories about how accommodating they were and uh, how much they enjoyed being there and and how much they enjoyed meeting each other. So uh, I think that's a, a great part of the hobby.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, I, I got a quick story for you. To uh, a lot, I'm sure not many people saw this, but Dave Parker, who obviously did the Cobra, who played for the Pirates and a bunch of other teams, he's not doing that well. You know, he, he was yeah. in a wheelchair, and I I don't I, I think he has Parkinson's, or, but he's not doing that well. Well, he was done signing, and I happen to be I'm in a mobility scooter for those of you guys that don't know. So I was in my scooter kind of in the back, just watching everything. And uh, pa- Parker uh, had his guy pull push him over to Johnny Bench's place where Johnny was signing Johnny just stopped and and you know gave Parker a big hug they were teammates at one time and you know I'm sure they don't see each other and it was just nice you know you could see it it meant a lot to Parker to see his former teammate and uh they had a nice conversation I was kind of like a fly on the wall to it but it was just when you say accommodating I think these guys really appreciate um you know their time their their time in the sun and you know, you forget these guys haven't played in 50, 60, 70 years. And sometimes, sometimes, yeah. and it's, it, you know, it's nice for them to connect with the fans.
3: Yeah. I was able to see uh, both Parker and Johnny Bench in Chicago last year. And it was a thrill getting to see those guys. Uh, I watched Dave Parker sign autographs. And like you said, he's not doing well now. He, he looked really good in Chicago last year. Yeah. He
1: didn't, he didn't look that well in, yeah. in Olympic City. Well, it was a little sad
3: yeah when you get to be that age some of these guys go downhill really fast but it was good to see some of the older guys there um you know, Juan Marichal still there signing autographs. Yep. And uh, some of these guys are in their 60s, 70s, and even older now. And, and to see them still out there engaging with fans and talking to fans and signing autographs, that's really cool to see. It brings back a lot of memories, and uh, it's fun watching that. I love that part of the national. Uh, I wish I could have gotten over there a little bit more this year. That was really the highlight of my trip in Chicago last year because – I got to meet so many of those guys and just, like you said, just hang around and watch them engage with fans. And, uh, that is, that is really cool to see because these are guys we grew up watching, you know, and you, you kind of idolize them and, um, uh, you always dream of seeing what they're like out in public and, uh, to be able to witness that firsthand is really cool. And, um, yeah, I, I think, I think TriStar and the national both do a great job of bringing big names in. And, um, and letting them meet the fans and all that, and uh, that's a that's a great part of the show. We're speaking with Jeff Owens. Jeff is editor of
1: SportsCollectorsDigest.com. SportsCollectorsDigest. Sorry, Jeff. Go to <laughs> SportsCollectorsDigest.com. Uh, all sorts of stuff. They have great content there. You can also sign up for a free uh, print issue, and you can also sign up for their newsletter. Uh, Jeff, just one one more question about the national, and then, then I got a couple more things for you. Um, was there anything that really surprised you in in, ter- in in terms of the national not not news wise, just kind of hobby wise in terms of the the sense of the hobby or something uh, that's been going on in the hobby that you were didn't have your finger on? It. Was there anything that really surprised you that or that you learned at the national?
3: Well, you know, it, it was interesting to me to see the dealers and how they were interacting with collectors and buyers. You know, that was a big question mark going into the hobby. You know, we've seen a little bit of a dip in the card prices and and, uh, and all of that. So it was interesting to see some of those interactions. Um, you know, we heard that that modern cards, you know, weren't selling all that great, but vintage was, you know, there were a lot of uh, guys uh, buying and selling vintage cards. And, uh, you know, that that to me was a good sign that the hobby is still doing really well. You know, I think... Um, <clears throat> You know, We heard from some dealers who, who probably didn't have as good a show as they had hoped, uh, but we heard from a lot that really did, uh, and it seemed like they were selling a lot of vintage stuff. And um, and also the other two things that stood out to me, and uh, you, you can notice this, uh, but we also heard a lot of people talking about is, is once again, just a number of kids there. A tremendous amount of kids there, and also a lot of women this year. Um, You know, I think that's another strong growing uh, base of the hobby. We saw a lot more female collectors there uh, and women walking around and and looking at cards. Uh, A lot of uh, mothers with their sons. Uh, that was pretty cool to see as well. You know, you, the kids um, kind of know what they're doing. They, they got their little cases full of cards and money and, and uh, they're going around making their own deals and, and mom and dad are kind of standing back and watching them and letting them go. Um, I thought that was really cool. And I think that tells you that the future of the hobby is probably uh, in a pretty good place.
1: Now, um, the, the, I think the word for our hobby in 2022 and 2023, it's going to be partnerships, right? There's there's so many new partnerships that have uh, blossomed over the last couple months. And and I think there's more to come. Um, What, what do you see? Do you see see this as a good thing for the hobby? uh, And do you think it's going to consolidate um, at the higher end, at the high end from these partnerships?
3: Yeah, I do. And that, and that's one of the stories that we were working on there at the national. And, and we talked to a lot of people about that. Um, you know, we talked to the guys at, at, um, the different grading companies that that continue to form partnerships, you know, you've seems like everybody is sort of, uh, teaming up with everybody else. You know, you got CSG and, and, uh, PWCC working together and Beckett is, uh, doing something with Mike Baker's group. And, uh, you know, eBay has uh, partnered with a couple of the grading companies to do what they're doing. Um, I think it's a I think it's a good thing. They all seem to be pretty positive about it, and and they all basically said the same thing. Um, they're all in this together, and, and they're all trying to grow the hobby. Um, now, I think a lot of it is also some of the reactions of some of the bigger companies you know, making moves, you know, collectors has come in and, and sort of created a, a one shop stop for everything. You know, they went out and, uh, and bought golden, you know, a grading company and they've bought other companies to sort of improve their technology and and the products that they offer. And I think, I think that sort of forced the hand of some of the grading, other grading companies you know, they kind of realize, okay, PSA is kind of the giant right now. And, and to catch them or compete with them, you know, we need to expand our footprint a little bit too. Uh, so I think that's why you see some of those companies starting to work together uh, and, and partner with different uh, auction houses and different marketplaces Um so I, I think that's part of it. I think, you know, you see a big company like Collectors doing that. It kind of encourages or, or motivates some of the others to do some deals. And then the other thing is just the general growth of the hobby. It, it has exploded so much over the past two years that it created all these opportunities. And uh, I think that's why you've seen these companies expand. And, and you're seeing them bringing in a, really, a lot of really smart people. Uh, some of them have tech backgrounds. Uh, some of them don't really come from the hobby. They come from outside, but I think that's a good thing because it's allowing these companies, um, to implement new programs and new platforms. That's only going to help their business and help their cop, uh, help the hobby. So, yeah, there's a lot of partnerships going on right now. I think that will probably continue. I think you'll probably see some new companies, uh, jump in as well. So, uh, you know, like I said, all these guys seem to believe that, um, you know, they're all in this together and every move they make is, is going to just make the hobby bigger and better. So if that's the case, um, I think this is a good thing.
1: We're sticking with Jeff Owens. Jeff is editor of Sports Collectors Digest. You can go to sportscollectorsdigest.com for everything Sports Collectors Digest, including a newsletter. You can sign up for their uh, a free uh, print issue, all sorts of cool content there. Um, Jeff, we're, we're, uh, we had a big announcement, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago now, where Fanatics has severed ties with their major distributor. Um, what do you see the ramifications of that for the hobby and for the collector?
3: Yeah, that that's a good question. That was a, a big story that broke right after the National with, uh, you know, the news coming out that GTS, the, the biggest distributor in the hobby, uh, will not be will not you know, have its license from tops going um, beyond this year. And I think that's going to affect some of the other distributors as well. I think what it means is I think, you know, I think it's a clear sign that fanatics has a different plan for how they're going to distribute their cards. Um, we were fortunate to be able to sit down with Josh Luber from fanatics for a while and talk to him on Saturday at the show. Um he, he he was a great interview. Uh, we published some of that on our website. You can find it there. But you know, we talked to him about that and um, you know, about the future of card shops and hobby shops. And uh he was emphatic uh that they really intend uh to use the card shops and and hobby shops. Um, he called them one A and one B on their priority list. So, you know, I was very struck by that. Um you know, that told me that they they have a different plan and, idea, and ideas for how they wanna distribute their cards. Um, and then a few days later is when the GTS news broke. And uh, so I, I think Fanatics clearly is gonna go in a, a different direction. I think it's gonna be some combination of uh, distributing directly to consumers, making the products available through uh, Fanatics and they'll distribute them uh, directly to the consumers. But I also think they are going to uh, work with the hobby shops and the card shops and, and get them product and make sure that they remain healthy and, uh, and, and a big part of the business. And I also think you're going to see, you know, certainly anytime something like this happens, <clears throat> there's probably going to be some changes and there's probably going to be some card shops that, that may not make it there. There may also be some breakers that, that may not make it, but I think there's also going to be a growth of new card shops and hobby shops opening up. You know, one thing uh, Josh talked about was that they fully anticipate there being a, a card shop or a hobby shop in, in, in just about every major league ballpark before too much longer. Yeah. I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see them in the NFL stadiums and, and basketball arenas. So I think you're going to see new partnerships form, new hobby shops open. Um, and I think that's going to be a big part of their business. So I definitely think Fanatics has got their own plan and they're, um, they're making steps to put that into, uh, into execution. What do you think um, the biggest, problem
1: with our hobbyists right now as a whole is there one one glaring thing that really needs to be addressed either by the card manufacturers or or by uh you know the, the grading community or 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 you know the the kind of the key players in in, in our hobby is there, is there one issue that you're hearing from from your readership that that really needs to be addressed
3: yeah i think the biggest thing you keep hearing over and over again is that the prices are just too high you know, for, for your average person, average collector. Obviously the boom has been good for a lot of people. Um, A lot of people have made a lot of money at it. Uh, A lot of flippers, a lot of investors have done really well with the hobby. Uh, But the danger that I think we've all been aware of for a while now is that you, you eventually weed out uh, the people who are pure collectors. And and also, you know, you got to be careful too that you don't make the hobby too expensive for kids. You got a lot of kids into the hobby right now. And some of them are making a lot of money too, you know, that, and that's great for them to do that. But I think you've got to be really conscious about not driving your core audience and your true collector out of the hobby. I think that's something fanatics is aware of. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do their products and, uh, you know, do they continue To make retail products uh, in stores like Target and Walmart that are affordable, that kids can go buy and not break the bank and not break mommy and daddy. Um, I, I think that's the big thing facing the hobby. We've got to figure out, you know, the market's probably going to bring prices down a little bit. We're seeing that already. Um, but I think there's got to be a conscious effort to make cards uh, affordable and available for everybody. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of programs and steps fanatics takes um, to do that. We're speaking with Jeff Owens. Jeff is editor of sports
1: Jeff, why don't you let people know what you, what, what you guys have on your site? Because you, you know, we've been, you've been in the job, what, three years now?
3: No, not that long. Three um, years. Uh, coming on two years two yeah. years so i mean yeah.
1: the, the, the the site and the content has really um shifted in the, since you, you've come aboard and, and, and improved greatly I, I i believe i think the stuff that you guys uh are doing now are, are light years from you know a couple of years ago so i think it's it's constantly improved so uh why don't you let people know what they can find it in sports like this digest and some of the plans you have for the magazine uh, moving forward
3: Yeah, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, we've tried very hard to um, just stay on top of what's happening in the hobby. You know, I think in the past, sometimes we uh, basically, you know, Took our magazine content and put a lot of it online, and we still do a little bit of that. But, but I think you know our main emphasis has been to just stay on top of what's going on in the hobby and, and try to react to the big um, news and big developments and trends out there, uh, and put stories out there that address that stuff. Um, There's obviously been a lot of changes and a lot of news over the last couple of years. So we've really tried our best to stay on top of that. Uh, You have a lot of records being broken almost every single week, we've tried to stay on top of those cards and, and uh, what the big items that are selling at auction and in different marketplaces are that are changing the face of the hobby and, and sort of setting records and doing all these great things. We've been trying to stay on top of that, but at the same time, you know, we also want to tell stories about the collectors too, uh, what they're collecting, how they're collecting it, and how all these changes are impacting them. So we've tried our best to put a lot of that kind of stuff on the, on the website, We ran a lot of content in advance of the national. Um, if you followed our website, we put a lot of stuff out there telling people what to expect and, you know, you know, what to look for and that kind of thing, and then after the national and while we were there. Um, you know, we tried our best to cover the event and and post relevant stories as much as we could. That was, as you know, a bit of a challenge because the internet issue, I know the, internet. the Wi-Fi was, you know, <laughs> if there was one big negative that came out of that national, that's what everybody talks about the the Wi-Fi. And the internet connections were just ridiculous. Uh, we were there for three days, uh, two days solid, where we did a tremendous amount of reporting and couldn't publish any of it because the Wi-Fi connection was so bad. Yeah, uh, and it wasn't much better at our hotel, so we had a difficult time. But but we published a lot of content. Content, and you know, it's all about just staying on top of things. Um, you know, re- reporting what's happening and, and, uh, the trends and, and the developments and the news and, and just getting it out there and trying to be a source for that kind of stuff, you know, while also, you know, putting together our magazine and putting the features and the things like that, that people have come to enjoy over the years and keeping up. It's, it's all about striking a good balance and giving our readers, um, you know, what they want, give everybody a little bit of what they want. And uh, it's been fun. You know, it's fun. Um, The magazine sort of kind of, I don't want to say runs itself, but there's been a model there for years that has worked and uh, just trying really hard not to screw that part of it up. Um, But at the same time, kind of using our experience to build that digital platform as well, and uh, be a little bit more visible out there um, on the website and the social media platforms and all that. And, uh, it's been a lot of fun building all that I've enjoyed it. And, uh, the response has been pretty good so far. Yeah,
1: you know, I mean, you have, you have such a nice base to start with and people expect a certain thing from you guys, right. They would, they expect stuff, some stuff, but you got, you got, you've really built upon that. I love the, uh, interviews with, with the former athletes and, 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 uh, some of the features that you guys have done and bringing in, bringing in, um, you know, a lot of different perspectives, which I, I think is really added to the overall uh, piece of yeah. our magazine.
3: Yeah. One of the things that, that we we've really we're a really a little bit different than than a lot of um, other media outlets out there. And the fact that our magazine audience, you know, we've been around for a long time and we've got subscribers who have been subscribers for over 30 years. Uh, we've got an older audience uh, as far as the magazine goes. So we have to be real conscious of that and uh, and try to service uh, the, that audience and give them what they want, which is a little bit different than the modern day collector. You know, they're they're wanting something different. They're, 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 they're wanting more hobby news and they want a, a broader look at the modern cards and what they're selling for and that kind of thing. Whereas the older readers, you know, they're more interested in the um, The vintage stuff and reading about other collectors and and that sort of thing so we really do have to strike a balance between all of that and um, so that's a challenge you know we have to be conscious of our readership and and all of that and um, it's been a big learning thing for me too I've enjoyed it so much and I think I pointed out in in my last column I wrote one of the most fun things I did at the national you know it's fun going around and talking to all the corporate people and chasing the news and all of that stuff but one of the most rewarding things I did is being able to visit with guys like you. uh, And I spent an evening with a lot of the other content creators out there, guys who have podcasts and YouTube channels and that kind of stuff. And um, it was a real pleasure to meet those guys and kind of learn what they do and, uh, and how they approach the hobby and their perspectives on it. Uh, I enjoyed that a great deal because you guys are the ones who have really uh, taught me so much about this hobby you know, I think I told you when I was on before, when I came into this, I'd been away from it for quite a while. So it was a big learning curve. I, I kind of had to go to school and, uh, the way I went to school was by listening to podcasts like yours and some of the others and in, in, in the YouTube channels. And, uh, that's been, that's been a lot of fun and very rewarding for me and to get out there and actually meet those guys, uh, was a lot of fun too. So, uh, that was, that was a big thrill for me at the national. I enjoyed that a great deal. And, uh, there's a lot of good people out there producing great content, and uh, that's good for the hobby. I agree. Well,
1: thank you, Jeff. We're speaking with Jeff Owens. Jeff is editor of SportsCollectorsDigest.com. Go on SportsCollectorsDigest.com. You can sign up for a free uh, print copy they'll they'll send it to you. you can sign up for their newsletter they have all great content there jeff i'm going to put you on the spot okay we're we're recording this on the 16th of august tuesday uh what do you think the the 1952 mickey mantle is going to end up, go, end up going for
3: wow great question uh that's been the question of the day for a while now when we first got to the national and we went over there and saw it and uh talked to the he- uh, heritage folks Uh, there was a cool moment there, by the way, we're, we're over there talking to Derek Grady and, uh, I had him
1: on my show last
3: week. Yeah. I listened to that, that Derek's Derek's great. Uh, great, always a great interview and great insights. And, uh, so we're talking to Derek and, uh, he gets the card out and showing to us and Ken Golden walks over and, uh, you know, he's obviously their competition with the auction houses, but he comes over and takes a look at it. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of buzz around that card. Um, when we first got over there, they were talking, yeah, probably 10 million, 10 million. Uh, two days later, a day later, they're talking 15 to 20. So we'll see. I'm going to sort of split the difference on it right now and say about 12 million. Uh, I think it'll go to that. I checked this morning, it's already up to 7.8 with the buyer's premium. Okay. Um, I think there'll be a big rush uh, at the end, I know there's collectors out there that are willing to pay 10 million. Um, one of the guys that bought the, um, uh, the 52 mantle that was graded a nine, uh, Rob go the actor entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He set the record, uh, about a over a year ago at, um uh, 5.2 million for his mantle card. I know he's already offered them 10 million and they turned it down so i expect i know that he's got his eye on it um i think it'll definitely hit 10 million and how high beyond that it goes is anybody's guess but i'm gonna say 12 to 15 i think it'll fall right in that range which is extraordinary i mean uh i know for a piece of cardboard right yeah yeah i mean since i've been in the hobby we've seen the record go from 3 million to 7.25, and now it's about to make another huge leap to 10, 12, 15 million. That's extraordinary. Um, and, and that could change the game and the hobby, you know. Uh that'll that'll raise all the prices. And and to think that there's three guys out there who own PSA 10s. And uh, you know, we recently did a big story on Marshall Fogle. Uh, and I know Marshall is watching all this uh, very closely. Uh, yep. He called us several times while we were at the national. I know he spoke with other people, and he was very interested in all the uh, publicity and uh, that this card is getting. And you know, wasn't entirely thrilled with people saying, you know, this might be the best one in the hobby. And he's like, well, now wait a minute. You know, yeah, I have one here.
1: That's a 10. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: And uh, you know, he's been told by uh, smart people in the hobby that uh, his card is probably worth 50 million. Um, and then you got Ken Kendrick. He had his on display at the yep. national the other PSA 10 uh, it's probably worth 50 million. Um, that's unbelievable. That is just mind boggling to me, um, that they could be worth that much, but it'll be interesting to see what the sale of this mantle, the nine five, what kind of impact it has on the hobby. And if it encourages someone like Marshall or Ken Kendrick or whoever owns the other one to come up and say, okay, we're going to go ahead and break the bank and, uh, and sell it and see what we can do. But, uh, just, you know, great for the hobby, tremendous publicity. And, uh, it just shows you how, how healthy the hobby is right now.
1: I was just going to ask you, um, do you think the attention that it garners in the the general media, the 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 regular media, you know, it it'll be on ABC News and it, it'll 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 be on the New York Times and uh, people that don't collect, like my mother, will will see and uh, you know, is it, do you think it, overall it's good for the hobby uh, for the attention that it brings, or do you think it brings a false uh, hope or a false realization to these guys that people that have they're sitting on cards that oh my 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 1990 Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. card is now going to be worth, it's got to be worth, uh, you know, $5 million. If this card's worth $10 million, you know what I mean? Is that, is that, is that a problem?
3: Yeah, I I think some of that will happen. It will give people a false sense of the market. No question about it. Um, This is such a unique situation with this card. I mean, this is like the Honus Wagner card. It's rare, it's unique, it's remarkable. Um, So, you know, it's going to create a little bit of false perception, I think. But however, the national exposure they're going to get is going to be phenomenal. Uh, There was a film crew there when I was, when, when Greg and I were over there and uh, on day two, they brought the owner in and we spent some time with him and we had a film crew following us around. uh, And uh, so there's probably going to be a documentary uh, maybe on ESPN or, another. you know, Derek
1: said, there's definitely a documentary on the card. He wouldn't tell me what, where it's going to be on but he said this yeah. is definitely a documentary on the card yeah
3: we actually had to sign a waiver because we wound up in some of the, the the video there because we were they were following us while we were interviewing him and they were kind of waiting on their turn, or they were just documenting um the media attention and all the exposure around this card uh, i think that's great for the hobby uh it, it i don't think you know i, I think um that exposure and that publicity, particularly from a national and, and possibly even a international perspective, it, it's great. It, it can't be bad for the hobby in any way. It's just kind of, um, you know, put more focus on it, make it bigger. You know, some people will, it might hurt some people with a false sense of, of what these things are really worth. But uh, overall, I think it's great for the hobby. I agree. Well, Jeff Owens, thank
1: you very much for speaking with Jeff Owens, editor for sports collectors digest.com. Jeff, why don't you give out all your social media uh, accounts? So people want to follow you on social media and if they want to reach out to you and have a question or they have a great story idea, they want to send, send you, send you an email, how they can, how can they can reach out to you?
3: Yeah. Uh, you can reach me um, at jowens at aim media, a I M media.com uh, or on Twitter at uh jeff underscore owens i believe it is uh i can't even remember myself sometimes with all these social media accounts uh but sd scd magazine is our uh twitter account for the magazine so reach out to us on uh any of those avenues and uh love to hear from you and if you got a story idea send it along we love hearing from readers and and other hobbyists and uh um you know we'll do what we can
1: yeah and guys if you haven't signed up for sports justice digest go do it. There's no reason why you can't go on, sign up for a free issue. They'll send you the free issue. And if you like it, you can subscribe. How much is the subscription? It's not, what is it? It's it's like $20, $30 a year or something. It's really, yeah, I think
3: it's $26 a year. um, And, and, you know, there's options to, um, you know, we we put out um, 24 issues a year, I believe. Some of those are considered double issues. Um, there's 18 issues, but some of them are, are double. They're bigger than the others. Uh, and we also have digital options as well. So you can get a little bit of all of that stuff for a really, really affordable price. So, uh, uh, we've got a subscription link there on our, um, website so check that out and we also have a great uh, weekly newsletter that comes yeah it's out.
1: fantastic it's a fantastic yeah. newsletter we do
3: that and we also have a lot of other emails that uh, are newsletters that go out each week on auctions and other things going on in the hobby so go to our website sign up from, for some of that stuff and uh, we do our best to try to keep you on un- informed about what's going on
1: yeah you guys do a great job once again it's sportscollectorsdigest.com check it out. Jeff Owens, thank you very much for your time. It was great seeing you at the National. Thank you for mentioning me uh, last week in your, in your <laughs> content creator article. I really appreciate that as well. And, uh, you know, keep in touch and, and you're, you're welcome back anytime.
3: Thanks, Jeff. It's always a pleasure.
1: Well, Drew, it was great to have you back and doing a, a normal show. Uh, We missed you. I hope you, you know, you had a great show. I feel like I spent more time with you the last two weeks, even though you weren't on the show.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I saw you every single day out of the national there and then going to the ball game with you up there in New Hampshire. So yeah.
1: Yeah. And checking, checking in just about every day on your trip. And that's why I was going to guys check out on our website. It's called um, uh, Drew's excellent adventure. It's at ttmcast.com. There's a button for Drew's excellent adventure. You can go there. You can uh, listen to all of Drew's phone-ins from the road, and you can see all the videos he posted that he posts on YouTube. Uh, It's really, uh, if you want to, and he shows all the food, too, which is really cool. So check it out. It's Drew's Excellent Adventure. Drew's back in in the saddle. He's back home, and we'll be having, we have all sorts of fun guests uh, lined up for the next month. Uh, We have all sorts of cool things that we're doing for the show um please uh, tell your friends and family and and, uh, loved ones all about the show we really you know our listenership it keeps going up and we really appreciate all the new listeners we appreciate all our old listeners as well i want to thank jeff owens for joining us from sports collectors digest check that out it's a great magazine you go to sportscollectorsdigest.com and uh, you fill in your, your name and uh, mailing address, and they'll send you a free copy of the magazine. You can also sign up for their free newsletter. It's really cool. I want to thank Clemente Lise, who our soccer expert. our so- soccer expert for joining us.
2: Um, Drew, anything else you want to add? I think we got everything pretty well covered there. Just, yeah. Good to be back on here and uh, looking forward to more. All right, cool guys. Thank you. Next week. We have Mike
1: Giuseppe from Uh, Sports Card Nonsense. He's on the uh, Ringer podcast network, and he is a uh, a huge, a big collector. He's been collecting for a long time. He's actually a a Boston guy who now lives in uh, Tennessee, in uh, Nashville, I believe. And we're going to talk to Mike all about just kind of the hobby, you know, his time at the National, his time, at Sports Card Nonsense, his view on uh, who to collect and what not to collect. And uh, it'll be, it's a fun, it'll be a fun interview with Mike. So that's coming up next week. Um, I think that's about it. I want to thank everyone for listening once again. Wishing everyone many happy returns. We'll see you next week.